This show may contain naughty language and explicit content. You have been warned. Welcome to Facehammer, an Age of Sigmar podcast. Bringing you product reviews, news from the UK tournament scene, as well as some pro hobby tips. So stay tuned and get ready for some hammer to your face. Welcome to Face Hammer episode 48. It's me, Russ the Faceville. I am joined by Terry, One Fit Coat Pike, Byron, the GT Champion Ord, and Les, Feverwank Martin. Yeah, just leave that there. Just going to leave that out there. Just, I think we might warrant. You've been off sick, haven't you, haven't you Les? That's why the. Uh... I, I have been poorly sick, bad, yeah. And... Well, I'm glad Thanks. you're feeling a bit better. I am feeling a bit. It's when you're uh, your sort of directors now, like, oh, you, you're well enough to masturbate, you, you're well enough to come in. We literally just start to record the intro again, and we can start up again. Uh, no, <laughs> no we're, we're leaving it at that. We're leaving it at like, Go off the rails, and then it'll be saved for a, uh, a special now, show. We'll they've got a lot it. of these intros saved for a special show that's never going to get released. Um, I'm sure... Just like an hours of hilarious... Yeah, and slightly, slightly off, off piece, off topic, and slightly uh, on the edge of what we're allowed to say. Um, and we just realised that rather than Russ telling me off for yelling tacos and things in silly voices, it's, just, it's normally Russ's fault. Just get out of your system, and then we can record. This <laughs> is fine, right? Okay, so this show is going to all be about blood and glory, which is um, a. Age of Sigmar tournament that is run in the UK by Ben Curry of Bad Dice fame and the Bad Dice <coughs> crew. Um, and this year was a little bit different to previous years. So um, it was in the Roundhouse in Derby, which is a big venue, a new venue. Um, and there was multiple systems going on at the same time. Uh, unfortunately, on the Friday, there was a big Shadespire event, which I think we mentioned on a previous show. Uh, but actually, I was unable to attend that. I don't think any of us did that, did we? No, no, I couldn't get off work. No, that's unfortunate because we couldn't attend, not unfortunately because we don't like it. Yeah, that's what I meant. Sorry. So, uh, eighty-four people, I think it was. Grand Clash, first one in the in the country or in the world, maybe. Um, Games Workshop there in four supporting seminars. Didn't go to any of those. I think you you caught a couple, didn't you, Les? Yeah, I caught the the first one sober and the second one drunk. Yep, that's that was, yeah, best way to do seminars. Yeah, Johnson telling me to behave himself and not say anything stupid, so it's quite good. Yeah, that's how it works. You know, got to do it told. Um, so, and the event itself was a six-game Age of Sigmar tournament. Um, and normally, in previous years, it's been at a banquet suite. I want to say the a Grange Hotel or something. Is yeah. yeah, and normally there was side events. Uh, so there's a, normally an AOS thousand fifteen hundred um, skirmish. And the Iron Man, which is the overall winner this year, was different. There wasn't any of that. Um, there was 40k for those that are interested in that. Um, and there was also some other games, I believe. Can't remember. 30k? Yeah, same thing, innit? Yeah, no, it was 40k, 30k. Was that um, Her- Warhammer I achievements? I think achievements? Was... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so there's some narrative thing going on, some Horus Heresy and 40k thing going on. Basically, couple of those, uh, heresy armies that were worth looking at. I thought a couple were really pretty, actually. I didn't look, to be honest. Um, I think because the way the times were staggered, 
didn't really get a chance to look at the other armies. I did. I did see some of the uh, 40k tables and and wanted to be sick in my mouth a little bit. But yeah, that you know, that plant a... pot thing. <laughs> wow. Here's my gun turret. It's a plant pot. Okay. Plant pot. Just, just oh. this is just people being creative, Terry. Don't hate. Yeah. Yeah. Def- definitely not because they were doing it on the cheap because it was filth. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of being creative, Terry, do you want to do you want to plug your new painting channel? Yeah, so I've started making video tutorials on how to, well, not how to paint, but how I paint. I, I've called the first one How to Paint a Sylvan um, Tree Lord Ancient, but I was actually going to call it How I Paint, because it's not really a way to paint, is it? It's just, that's how I well, do it. Well, if you follow it, so, you will you end up with a painted Sylvan F Tree Lord, wouldn't you? So, yeah. Um, yeah, one thing I would say to people is, if you are going to, check it out i've released the first one in two parts because i wanted it was just so much i want to try to get in as much content out as first then just see what people liked and disliked i'd say watch the second one more than watch the first one the first one's all about airbrushing the second part's got loads of actual brush stuff in it that's probably more relevant to a lot of people um and from the statistics that i've got like the uh, analytics on the back and the first one's been watched about 200 times more than the second one so like i I think people maybe have have given up watching it because it's so long but the second one's actually better but future videos will be shorter so that um, was going to be my feedback to you after watching it like when you you sort of say a stage and you show it you don't need to show it on all the pieces so i just i think you could just cut that down a bit but but it's good i mean like i mean obviously your first video so i mean i've only watched the first one because i haven't got around to watching the second one yet and you might find that the reason people haven't watched the second one is because maybe they're working through that first the first stages on their own model so they haven't watched the second one yet but i would say if, if people are actually following it like send me what you've done because it'd be interesting to see how it comes across when you know, you, you're watching it, and if you are doing following it along to see what the result looks like at the end. So, how um, do people watch your videos then? What's where do they go? So, if I'm so they go to pikesminiaturepainting.com, right? Okay, or you can get to the um, videos via the YouTube, which again is Pikes Miniature Painting on YouTube. Go via my Twitter; it's on there. It's I'm going to put put it everywhere because I just want it to get as much exposure as possible. Um, and in the works at the moment, I've got a Star Drake video, a Rabutio Gulliman video, a Magma Droth, a Larial, Mortarian, and a Typhus video. So I've got like seven or eight videos I'm working on at the moment with loads of stuff in. So, but I mean, if there's anything people really, really want a video on that they have no idea how to paint or where to start, just give it a suggestion, and I'll, you know, I've been painting with people and watching that how they paint is is different like the way they are isn't it it is it is eye-opening watching other people paint um just so you can sort of be like why are they doing that like i don't i don't get what they're doing there so it's it's just interesting um so yeah i mean any any feedback and whatever on it good good or bad's great because if it's bad i can fix it if it's good i can keep doing it so yeah, well, all the best, and we'll link yeah. the videos, and hopefully you'll, um, you know, probably will find it useful. Um, before we launch into Blood and Glory, then in proper, does anyone else want to say anything about 
or something they've been doing or, or anything like that or do you want to just crack straight in i've not been doing a massive amount of, of hobby I've, I've done some thinking i started writing an article on how i go about building lists which has taken forever because it turns out i do it really strangely but um that has basically been all of my hobby so far i've been fairly minimal in the last few weeks and i've assembled well half assembled a disease on me phil mind you i did give it to you so yeah, and then deliberated on the colour scheme for an entire weekend. For an happened. entire day with me on Skype. Oh, I don't know what colour to paint it. <laughs> yellow, 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 yellow. Yellow. No, because, yeah. no. No, yeah. Mark's scene charm is yellow. Exactly. Yeah, you got to do it something different now. I'm yeah, just I'm that. I, I lost Honestly. my first game in 25 games as well. Oh. oh. I'll get over it. You won't get over it. You've gone about it. Um, so I just want to... Just quickly go over our lists. So, um, do you want to start us off then, Les, and and just go through what you took? Um, imagine it'd be quite quick. Yeah, yeah, I imagine. So, I took Stormcast Eternal list that you may or may not be aware of from previous shows. Um, basically, I took the same thing as I always take, um, which I have been taking most of this year, which is uh, Stardrake, Mirror Shield, Staunch Defender. Uh, Relictor, Castellan, uh, Relictor the Lightning Chariot, sorry, Castellan, uh, Heraldor, uh, Knight Venator, um, one unit of Liberators, two units of Judicators, a unit of Prosecutors with Javelins, and two units of Fulminators. So, standard TM build? There's my TM build, yeah. Nice. Yeah, so that's, uh, yeah, that's what I took. So, that's nice and quick and easy. I'm sure if you uh, if you Google Les Martin, Starter, Stormcast build, I'm sure it'll come up. I'm not sure uh, it will. I think it will. <laughs> um, so you, you didn't change the thing, just kept the same list and just, just thought, well, it ain't broke. Don't no, think so. I think it's super competitive in the current meta. Um, I think it can deal with the Vanguard wing. Um, if I get the sort of like the right, um, the, the right sort of priority roles in the right places, um, I feel the only sort of like bad matchup for it is change host. Um, so I just... You know, if I play Change Host, then I, I play Change Host. Um, I just feel like, yeah, it competes in every um, aspect of the game. Um, and, yeah, it deals with hordes quite nicely, which surprises a lot of people when they play against it, how easily it does deal with hordes. Um, and, yeah, just uh, I just feel I love how dynamic it feels on the table. And like you just never feel like you're, you know, there's no element of the game that you can't compete in. So that's, that's quite what you want from a match playlist, isn't it? Yeah, just I feel it's really balanced. It like I said, it competes in every part of the game. Cool. All right, um, Terry, what did you you take? I took my standard chaos list that I've been taking pretty much solid recently, just because it's my best painted stuff, and I'm you know it's not bad on the table. I, you know, I don't think it's really going to win an event, but it should win enough games. So, Lord of Change with the Talisman and Cunning Deceiver, a Zangor Shaman, a Gaunt Summoner with Familiars, the Changeling. 30 Plague Bearers, 10 Plague Bearers, 10 Plague Bearers, 6 Skyfires, 3 Storm Fiends of Warp Projectors, and a Summoning Pool which contained either Plague Bearers, Cheap Heroes, or Bitwin Vortex. So that's what I took to the Heat. It's what I took, oh, sorry, the final, I think it's what I took to the event before that as well. I haven't really changed it up much because I'm not really working on it at the moment. I'm doing some other bits, so I don't want to put in too much time painting stuff that I'm not really going to use 
like either immediately or you know for at least a few events so uh, they're just on the back burner at the moment and they're um currently in um the games workshop in salisbury on display actually if anyone is about that area my army is um in the cabinet cool we'll go have a check it out if you're in the area um hey, do you want to say who likes the look of your army a certain uh mr soper liked my army He's racked up another sword that we should probably mention because he's yeah. absolute god. How many is he, how many is he won now? Seven? Five or six? Twelve? Seventeen? It's ridiculous. Like, just the most consistent painter over the longest time period ever, I think, by Games Workshop standards. I'm sure someone can yep. correct me if I'm wrong, but props to him. Yeah, he's chap too. Yeah. Yeah, lovely. He's a fairly nice chap. Yeah. So, Russ? Um, yeah, well, I took a deaf army, so um, I spoke about this on the previous show, um, ended up going for the um, a kind of a Grand Alliance deaf army, uh, although there's a lot of flesh eaters in it. So I took an aberrant Gore King on Terrorgeist as a general with Supernatural Horror and the Cursed Book, both things I forgot about pretty much through the entire event. Um, Arkan the Black Mortark of Sacrament. Um uh, a Crypt Horn to Courtier, a Vargulf Courtier, three units of five diables from a battle line, um, six Crypt Flayers, six Crypt Horrors, and a Mortis Engine, put me bang on 2,000 points. So this is kind of semi-inspired by um, some of the stuff I saw in Simon's list that I played at the, at the final. Um, and it was when we were sat in Portugal, uh, we spoke about it, and so I was thinking, how can I write a competitive death list? Um, this is one of the lists that I think does a bit of everything. So you've got the Gorking on Terrorgeist has the set the spell which gives you an extra five up, which allows your units to survive to allow you to heal, um, which is uh, Unholy Vitality, I think the spell's called. Supernatural Horror means that when stuff runs away, double the amount of models run away within 12 of the Terrorgeist. Uh, the Scream on the Terrorgeist does mortal wounds. The Bite does mortal wounds if you want a six to wound. The Curse Book means you're minus one to hit, makes you a bit more tanky. Uh, Arkan has the threat to curse the as a unit off. He's also very fast, 16-inch move. Uh, flies is pretty decent in combat against weaker units, so he's quite good at clearing objectives off. Um, he's also really good at board control because he can fly somewhere and the, your opponent's going to be thinking, I don't want to go within Curse of the Year's range. Um, you can dictate your opponent's deployment and you can really bully your opponent with it. I really like him. Um, Crypt Horn to Courtier, that's just to raise back the, the horrors. Vargulf Courtier does both um, units, but the reason um, to take the Vargulf is you can double bubble the regeneration on the horrors. Direwolves are just cheap battle line. They're fast. Um, you know, nothing much to say about them really. Um, and then the flayers do mortal wounds, and the horrors are just good against hordes. And the mortis engine's a bit of a weird choice. Um, it's one of those pieces that isn't really that good, um, but it does a lot of. Um, it takes a lot of attention away from your army for some reason. Don't really know why. Uh, it's has... right in some games, though, isn't it, Russ? Some games yeah. are really good. And it has the threat that when it blows up, it can do loads of mortal wounds, and it can heal, and that's threatening in itself. It's quite quick. Uh, again, it's, it's a very quick piece. It flies. It, it can go into combat and just be quite survivable. Decent save on it. It's, can You can give it a death save. Um, and also, it's just it's got the mortal wounds in the hero phase from the Banshee Scream as well. Um, so there is a lot of mortal wound output in this army. So the mortis, mortis engine does mortal wounds, the flares do mortal wounds, 
Uh, Arkan does mortal wounds, and the Gorkin Ontario guys does mortal wounds. Um, and there's also a lot of low quality, high damage attacks with the horrors and the um, Arkan and the Mortis Engine are particularly good at killing weak units. So it's a bit of everything. It's a bit balanced. Um, I uh, really I had to paint quite a bit for this. Um, rebased it all again uh, on rounds onto rounds. Um, so basically repainted all the base scheme from the brown scheme I had into a into the same as my Nighthaunt army. Put all the tufts on. Made some objective markers. Made a display board. Um, so yeah, just managed to get my army to a decent standard, which I was quite happy with. Um, touched up Arkham, did some highlights on him, did some highlights on the flayers, on the the um, Haunter Courtier, um, on the Mortis engine, and just brought everything up a little bit in terms of quality uh, to try and get the most painting points I could get. But that's what I took. Byron. Sweet. So I took um, very much like Les and Terry. I took a similar list to my my like Byron TM one, um, <clears throat> which is a six heroes uh, buffing frosties, and then insert um, like whatever it is seven hundred points of arbitrary crap here. Um, so a battle mage who I'd really missed um, in the past got him back. A lawmaster. I replaced the Archmage, who I didn't like and didn't rate at all and thought was overpriced and thought was slower, uh, with a Skink Priest, who is way better because he runs dead quick. That's almost the most important thing about him, actually, because he keeps up with the birds well. Um, nothing else about him matters. Um, I don't want anyone thinking there's anything clever there. He just runs faster, but that's really important. Um, a Frosty General, who is reckless. Uh, a Frosty... Um, who's not a general, and a dragon lord with a talisman of blinding light. That is the high elf dragon. So that's pretty pretty standard for my normal kind of uh, whatever it is, uh, 1,200 points of heroes. Then five judicators, uh, block a 20 glade guard, um, who I actually think aren't bad now, coming around to them. <laughs> <laughs> it only, it's only taken like 30 games uh, but genuinely they um, they overperformed the most they ever have in this tournament they were absolutely badass um, 5 Doomfire Warlocks because they're a fast spell um, the spell on them does matter sometimes it's good uh, and then 10 Skinks, 10 Skinks 10 Skinks, 10 Skinks because they're fast um, so it's kind of it is a, it's probably the most different version of my list I've taken for a while and the most different thing about it is that I have accepted that being fast is better than being good when you're not a great big flying monster. So everything in the list tries to support the flying fast things in the list a bit better and more adequately. And um, skinks have incredible bravery, so they disintegrate slower than a lot of other things. And in terrain, they get a... If they ignore rend one with their bucklers, in terrain, they get a five-up ignoring rend one, which actually is a thing. Um, their shooting is a joke. Um, but sometimes it can like nip a wound here or there if it's appropriate. Um, so that's and then a summoning pool for a vortex, which I'm not using for the normal reasons. That's there to shunt my army forwards. Or in probably probably the most situations it's ever happened, it's a bit of a weird tournament for me. I used it to push my army sideways quite a lot in this, um, which is like I, d I don't mind. Like basically, it's there to push my damagey bubble. Uh, in whatever direction it's the most useful for it to be in or to like part it in half or do slightly slightly strange things with so yeah normalist for me cool um so you you added the skinks in was that new the new things 
Yeah, so I'd had two units of 10 skinks in... I think this is it. Again, it's been a while since we played. I had two units of 10 skinks in the final, and I um, had 10 highborn spearmen, but I dropped them and fiddled around with points and went for um, went for just a full four units of skinks, um, who were, were actually... They were pretty good. And I kind of... They did... They did it just gave me more drops I didn't care about because one of the problems I have in my list is it's got the normal one had 11 drops or 12 drops and six of them pretty much have to go down in a place where I, where I don't feel I have much choice, which is all of the characters because they all support each other and they have to sit next to each other apart from very extreme examples. So my list looks like it should be able to outdrop people, but it really, really, really doesn't like things go in the middle or left of centre or right of centre. And then I've got two, I had two units of skinks that I could put like one here and one there. But with four units of skinks, um, it gave me more things that are, are genuinely throwaway uh, for me to put in different places and stand in the way and stuff like that. Cool. Um, so we we kind of descended on the on the Friday at various different times, didn't we? Apart from um, apart from you, Byron. Your, I was late. Your round one. You you scored a major victory, but it wasn't at Warhammer. Um, <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah. So you you didn't get there till round two, did you? No, I'd driven. No, you driven did some. You were doing somewhere. something else. Um, yeah. So what what we'll do is we'll uh, we'll go through our first day of games, and then we'll take a break. So I'm just going to do a quick overview. Um, so I'll kick us off, and then you guys can follow in the same sort of format. Can I interject with a question before we begin? Yeah, yeah, yeah so, sure. Um, genuine consideration of my, um, like, it was going to be tight for me to get to the first round anyway. I didn't realise until Friday it was a six-round tournament. Um, what are your guys' opinions of six rounds, and is it always a bad thing apart from in a GT final? Yeah, I it was it was a bad thing at the GT final because he didn't switch the event, so there was it was pointless doing six rounds. Because the reason you do six rounds is to get to a more true winner, and the GT final wasn't sorted in the scoring each round, so it wasn't true Swiss. So it was almost irrelevant playing six rounds. Um, in terms of tournaments for me, six rounds is better for getting a truer result. But now that where I am at the moment with my hobby, I just when I've got a long way to travel, I just want to get home earlier on a Sunday. I mean, like, yeah, I'd, I'd like the biggest thing being someone who uh, who owns a venue myself. Like, it's just uh, obviously it's a polarized venue. It's not central. Um, it's in the northwest, but still, it's a genuine consideration for me. Like, these people might come from abroad, or they might come from a long way away, or whatever. So, I just presume that unless there's a really damn good reason, there is going to be five rounds, and that's that's what I prefer. Like, I love Warhammer. I don't get to play it outside of tournaments, but it is whenever I see six games, it is a bit of a sigh. Yeah, yeah, I think it, it it really does depend on the I've event done, as well. If it's like if I've got a, a big an hour to forty five minutes travel, um, I generally find that it's it's not necessarily playing the six games. It's more the the time in which you leave the venue that that sort of like gets frustrates me more than anything because we're quite sociable guys. You get the results, which usually takes about an hour, and then you have to then like you say goodbye to people that you like you're not going to see for a little while and it's like by the time you've you know you've done the rounds almost saying goodbye to the people that you want to say goodbye to it's another 45 minutes to a 30 minutes by the time you've left the venue and that's you know and that's then 
time that you have to spend on the motorway and it, it can be it's just a bit frustrating sometimes especially for like i mean i plane and normally i'm half of the journey that terry gets because terry like will normally drive up from salisbury pick russ up and come to me and then jump in my car and then we'll go up it you know and normally then by the time i mean by the time i'm sort of feeling the fatigue of getting you know being on the motorway and after the day's gaming by the time i get home it's like terry's still got like another two hours car four hours like if i get my home four twelve, it's it's been a good run yeah like if it's in the north i'm not getting home that no. day i'm getting home in the morning early hours and you know it's like the, the gaming itself playing like playing six games isn't a problem is it really it's like you know no it, it's just it's the travel the, the distance that it, it can be a bit especially being where we are like i mean i've never complained about a six game tournament in cardiff because generally i'll be home in an hour the same with south coast i live within you know 20 minute drive whatever it's absolutely i'll, I'll play 10 games i don't care because <laughs> so i'm gonna get home at a good time <laughs> yeah all our american listeners are like going like what you're complaining about driving for like an hour but it's yeah in general i think that uh, i prefer I, i've never gone to an event well i've not gone to an event this year and gone how many rounds is it and someone's gone six and gone yes you know i've always been like six games you know yeah, I thought it was worth asking the question because anyone who's thinking of running a tournament, um, particularly if they're running it in the middle of psych, it's a. I think it's something you should consider. Uh, like there has to be a, in my head, unless there's a really good reason, it should probably be a five round event. Not a criticism of six round events at all, but that's just a preference. I think it massively depends on, you know, what what you want out of your tournament, doesn't it? I mean, uh, it's just one of those things. Um, but I, I mean, yeah, well, it, it was six games, so. We had to crack on, yeah. didn't we? So, um, okay. So, scenario one was uh, Scorched Death, um, and I had the pleasure of playing um, Chris Mills with his um, really nice Stormcast army, um, and this went quite well for me. Um, I managed to bully him quite a lot with my um, my flayers, really good against Stormcast, and ended up taking out his. He basically ambushed me with some hunters early on in the game. Uh, but basically, the the game, my army is very good against Stormcast. And although we had a, Star, a Star Drake, um, I was able to use the Mortis engine to pin it into place, um, and sort of threaten him with Arcan. Use Arcan to kind of push the Star Drake away from where I didn't want him to go. Um, and I ended up being able to fight the Judicators off his objective with the Mortis engine and then burn the objective, forcing the Star Drake across. And then my terror guys could go centrally and clear off his other central objective. Um, and I just ended up ended up getting a major victory in this. It was pretty comprehensive. I didn't lose a lot. Um, it was a good game. Um, I think maybe Chris was a little bit shocked at the resilience of my army um, and how good it was actually against Stormcast. Um, There's a lot of mortal wound output, which I think people aren't used to with death as well. Um, so I, I just basically ignored the Star Drake, killed his army and burnt his objectives down um, and just, just left at that, really. So that was a, a first-round win for me. Uh, going into round two, I played a Fire Slayer army, uh, Andy Hughes, who went on to win the event. Uh, and he was using a army which can only be described as lots and lots and lots of men uh, that all look the same and some guys with backpacks um this was star strike um he popped up in the middle of the table with 30 guys with throwing axes with 30 guys behind with fire pikes and um shot into my army 
killed a load of uh, horrors and flayers, and then they all came back, and then I went into his army and just went into a grind. Unfortunately, I couldn't quite grind through them quick enough, and couldn't catch up on the scenario score points in the last round uh, where the objectives landed as well. They landed on the side of the table where I didn't have a lot, um, so I couldn't really get across. So it cost me... They all basically come down on one side, um, which was a bit of a problem for me because I didn't have a lot on that side of the table. Um, and, yeah, I just had to try and churn through all his men. Um, I did actually win on VPs. Um, in the last round, I had a chance to try and capture the objective, which landed in his table quarter, in, in his sort of left-hand side, sorry, right-hand side where he looks at the left-hand side of the table for me. Uh, and I had to sort of fly the flares over and the, you know, try and kill. I think I had to kill like two guys. Um, and I just left one, one hero and one wound, which stopped me capturing it, which cost me the game. But it's a good game. I did get Kyosiers off six times. Um, I didn't actually, oh, sorry, five times. I didn't actually kill anything with it, which is a bit of a shame because I thought if I vaped the big unit that was in the back of the board, I would have won the game. Um, but, you know, he played quite well. Um, I think he underestimated my army in terms of how resilient it was to the Alpha Strike. Um, but I was able to basically grind him off, but the objectives just didn't land favourably for me. So I, I lost that as a, as a major loss, um, which is a bit of a shame, really, because I, I don't really like playing Fire Slayers, but I had had a practice game against them. So I was fairly confident. Uh, but he had a lot more men and a lot less other things, which was a bit of a problem for me. There's just a sheer amount of bodies so she couldn't get through them. And then game three, I played um, Henrik from uh, Norway with his uh, rather, rather interesting Sylvaneth army, which is basically all the big things. So he had a Lariel, um, a Tree Lord, a Durfu, a Tree Lord Ancient, a Tree Lord, and some, like, you know, hunters and things and bits and bobs. Um, this this was Battle for the Pass. Um I managed to um, take out a lot of his big things, so I used horrors to grind off a tree lord, which were out of range of spells and buffs um, and healing. And then I was able to just basically grind off Valaria with my terror guys went nuts, did 12 mortal wounds to him one round, which took her off. Um, he didn't get mystic shield off on her and pushed her forward, which I think was a mistake. And I was able to basically use a unit of direwolves and flee from combat and capture his own objective um, to put me over on the scenario points. Um, he spent a lot of his shooting trying to kill the Mortis Engine, which I was more than happy with. Uh, the Mortis Engine Mortal Wound Bubble Burst did actually do quite a lot of damage to his army in one turn as well, so it was pretty good. Comprehensive. Nice guy. His, his mate was there as well. He was also getting very, very drunk, uh, which at the venue prices was quite something to behold. Um, but that was a major victory to me. Did so you I, come from Norway, I guess they're okay, aren't they? Yeah, that's true. Part. From Norway, it doesn't cost an awful lot <laughs> in their eyes. Um, but that was that was game three for me. So I, I ended up on um, one major loss and two major victories. Um, felt fairly confident I could have won all my games. Um, and to be honest, I thought the army performed well, did really well against the Stormcast, as I expected. Fire Slayers is a hard matchup for me. The hard scenario I didn't quite get the rub of the green, but I felt I was in the game. And then against the Sylvaneth, again, my army does a lot of mortal wounds. Sylvaneth don't like mortal wounds, uh, so it was a really great matchup for me as well. So I'd aim to basically play two armies there, which I was quite happy to face. Uh, and my army performed really well, and I was really happy with it. It was a lot of fun to play with as well. Um, so I was quite, I was quite 
sort of G'd up for playing more games with my death, so it definitely felt like I was being competitive, which was the main thing, really. Um, so what about you then, Byron? What was your first day like, other than obviously round one? Uh, so, uh, yes, I missed out round one, which meant that I got a major loss and no victory points for my first game, which is fine. Um, so I, I popped up and I found out that I was playing Andy, who was being spare player, with Mark's mixed chaos list, which is kind of like Teench and, um, and Bloodbound all mixed together. And it kind of it had, it had 15 drops had a lot of random stuff, but you looked at it on the table and you're like, actually, this is quite good. So when he's rocking up Sangor and they've got Rathamongers behind them and they've got five attacks each or um, or something like that, it's just like, oh. Um, however, my my birds don't care about Sangor um, at all because they've, they've probably got the highest quantity of medium-quality attacks in the game and my birds don't mind if you've got medium-quality attacks as long as my wizards aren't dead. So um, I... It was a it was it was a pretty solid one for me. Um, I, I just parked my birds in between various things, um, trying to make sure that he couldn't wrap around me with his massive units or get to my gooey center. And um, I went through that. It was also it was quite a difficult army for him to play because he had fifteen units he'd never used before to learn the rules of. Um, so uh, it, it was nice to play him, but it was a little bit of a uh, like a. Uh, a confusing uh, operation for us to both work out what his stuff did. Um, that was a good game. So I got a major victory in that one. Uh, that was my second game, of course, technically. And then my third game, I played Luke uh, Whitehead, who was rocking what I thought was a pretty cool uh, Fock army, actually. So he had a, a big unit of ghouls. Um, the items and the traits he'd chosen, I thought, were pretty good. So he was getting... He's reliably getting pretty fast movement. And um, it was Battle for the Pass... And my army really likes playing Fog a lot. Again, for exactly the same reason that I described um, about the Zangor, um, a large quantity of medium-quality attacks. I'm down. I'm just there. I'm good. Unless I happen to roll a few ones on my armors and a load of damage to attacks go through, the birds really do a number. And um, the the thing happened where I, I explained my army at the start of the game and said what I could do and things could push things forward. And then when I actually moved my army... Um, and got off a couple of uh, of longest charges. Um, there was that like, oh god, it is quick. Um, and I think my my turn one, I I decided to go into. I think I tagged his dragon, and the thirty block of ghouls leaving the forty block of ghouls and some horrors around. And um, I did about eight hundred points worth of damage before um, Luke had had his first turn. So it was um, it was kind of a it was a a, a very solid and comprehensive one for me but it's a very difficult one for Vok against my army and particularly that scenario allows me to play on a narrow board so things can't creep around my edges because I can just space out my birds like nine inches apart each or whatever and kind of cover everywhere I need to be and the dragon just is a wrecking ball against uh, against hordes um, if I can get Hand of Glory off on him um, which I think I put my Lawmaster on the Vortex in this one got it off first turn that's why i got my charges in that's such an important spell because any of those big units will disintegrate all the more uh quickly if um if the dragon's missing and uh failing to wound a lot less so i'd kind of ruffle stomped my way through that one through uh through merit of a rock paper scissors matchup and getting off some charges turn one 
Um, so it was pretty much over, uh, like Luke's turn two, I think, really, uh, his turn one, actually. Um, so that was my, I only did two in my first day, so that was my day one. So I had um, one major loss and two major victories. So the same as you. Yeah, not too bad. What about Wonder you? what that will lead to later. Yeah. What about you, Terry? So my first game, I played uh, Liam Cook. He was borrowing Carl's Fire Slayers. Um, this this game was, I think, probably my best game of the weekend. Actually, it was Liam got ahead early with the dwarves popping up and getting on one of my objectives. Um, I just couldn't get them off the objective quick enough to stop him sort of overwhelming numbers there was a point where if i'd have if i'd have rolled a cheeky one on some plague bearers i would have got that point back um and then it would have stopped him burning it which would have you know given me a bit of an advantage but he burned my objective and got three from it i burned both of his or two of his and got one from each of them um which is the sort of the swing in that scenario that I, i don't really like um because you could burn all three of theirs and get three points. They could burn one of yours and get three points. Sort of makes Kairos like, really appealing, doesn't it? Yeah. Because you're like, you oh, they burned you on turn one and overextended. Oh, I'll just make that one. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, yeah. I burnt them. I'll just take that as a free. It's all yeah. Star Strike. I'll just put that objective where I want it to be. It's just like that yeah. never occurred to me. That is horrific. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they they play to one side of the board and go. Well, I'll, I'll play sort of to middle to left, and the hope the objective goes left. And you're like, it's going to go right, mate, because <laughs> I'm going to put it there. And you can play one one like the fierce flank quite comfortably. Um, but yeah, yeah, anyway, so it's, yeah, yeah, a bit off tangent, but yeah, so yeah, Carl, brilliant. Um, yeah, um, the game. I tried to pull it back. I. And there was a point where Liam was like, well, I kind of, I want to sit back and just take the win, but I also want to push forward and have a game. I was like, well, it's up to you. Do you want to win the event? You know, if you want to win the event, you're pissed off just going defensive now because you're up in points. But if you want to like play the game out and try and get more points out of me, then that's your call. Um, He decided to go a bit aggro with, with the fire slayers and go in for it. Um, And yeah, I think in the end, I lost by a point or two on the main thing. I mean, if one of those burns out of my two had been a three, I think it would have been a, a, either a draw or possibly a win. But I think I killed more stuff anyway, so I would have got the minor just on the you know, on the points if we drew on the main. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was good. It was interesting to play the fire slayers as well. Um, the one thing I don't like about them is they're a bit like Bloodbound, where the heroes look like the normal dudes. Yeah. And it was like, oh, so I need to kill this, or oh, you've only got like that unit. I'll wipe that unit out, and then I'll just capture that. It's like, yeah, but I've got this one man stood here. I'm like, oh, but he just looks like a normal dude. You just sort of forget where the heroes are because they just blend into the units quite nicely. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I need to um, maybe just put some markers next to them or something next time, so I remember where they all are. Uh, but yeah, no, it was, it was a really good game. Um, it was it was a shame to just sort of. I played really strongly for it, I think, to try and get the game back. And, um, yeah, just a bit of a shame to, to lose out. Um, game two, I played um, a guy who'd come over from Ireland, I believe, Andy Frazier with um, Zinch. Now, he, he was on the source very uh, early on in the day. He was he was quite drunk when I was playing him. Um, he played some very weird rules. Like, 
I just want to cover one of them because it it was just baffling to see it done this way. So he summoned a Beowin Vortex from a hero, not under his hero, but further up the board. And I, was, I, I just looked at him. I was like, what, what, what are you just putting that there because you're going to put it under your hero in a minute? Or I said, no, I'm going to summon it there. I was like, yeah, that, that's not how you summon a Beowin Vortex. So he'd played all of his games like this beforehand. He was saying that he'd just summoned it where he wanted it and then got a unit on top of it. I was like, no, it kind of appears underneath you and then you can't move. <laughs> um, so it's just, I thought that was quite interesting that, uh, as someone else's take on a rule. I'm pretty sure it does say it appears he, under you. It does, but is is it one of those things that he, like, it's just like, oh, you, you summon something and something yeah. works in X way, so this will appear 18 inches away. Yeah, because or... he was like, oh, I'm going to put it here nine inches away from you because, like, I can summon <laughs> it, you know. And I was like, mm, that's not quite right. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, I mean, the game, I, I got ahead quite quickly in this one. Uh, my Skyfires did quite a, quite a number on some units, and my uh, Lord of Change was stayed out of his um, long-range dispelling, and, I, you know, it was quite a comfortable, um, comfortable win. I think we got to turn three, and he, he was like, well, you know, we'll just call it there. Um, I'll just concede, um, because I, I don't have enough to, to pull it back. I was like, yeah, that's fine, you know. Um, so, yeah, I picked up a picked up a win there uh and then in round three i played simon partridge with bray herds now this is the first time i'd seen a bray herd army with the new um command traits and um you know artifacts and whatever and they've given them a uh i believe the herd stone is a new yeah a new thing for them it's like so yeah so it's like i placed this thing it gives me um inspiring arcane and potentially damned or something as well yeah it gives him like a load of buffs and it's like it gives you deadly so oh that's cool (laughs) that's an interesting little uh, item and then he and then he forgot to put deploy his wizards next to it so that was uh so he had this nice little wizard herdstone and then forgot to put them in range to take benefit of it Um, that's quite funny yeah so this one the gaunt summoner will you know, did did what he does on the Bale Wind, where he pops up onto it. He targets a unit of thirty gore, best of gore, with, uh, not best of gore, the, the great weapon ones, aren't they? It's just normal gore, and um, just killed one unit with one shot because they're low bravery. He kills over half the unit with the spell, and then the rest of the unit just dies. Um, he then retaliated that by ambushing in thirty bow ungore raiders onto my backboard edge. And Not shooting bad, the gaunt, yeah, shot the gaunt summoner off the bearwind. <laughs> I was like, oh, cool, yeah. He's like, yeah, I hit on like fours or fives, but because I'm a massive unit, I reroll ones and twos. And so, out of all of those ungors, he hit with pretty much every single model. And I was like, that's fine, that's fine. I've got a five up. Uh, I've got a, uh, I mystic shielded myself as well to put him off of going for me. I was like, I've got a free up save on the bearwind. I'm fine. No, just dead. <laughs> So that was a good little. Um, if I don't, I think if he hadn't have got him off there, the Gaunt Summoner would have just tabled his whole army because he would have just took off one big block every turn. So the guy uh, Simon he had three big blocks of the Gore and then one big block of Angle Raiders and then some smaller blocks of the little um, two-handed um, guys. He also had a Jabber Slife and 
a beast lord shaman guy who could also summon in another monster. So he summoned in another Jabba Slife towards my backboard edge, which was uh, interesting. He also had a giant and some chariots. So it was like just a, it was just loads of stuff. It looked like a lot of models and it looked quite intimidating, but they, a lot of it just doesn't do a lot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the chariots came in, did nothing. I killed a giant. The giant fell over on top of a chariot and killed it, which I thought was, it, he was laughing his ass off. He, it was just hilarious at this point because it, it had three wounds left. And when the giant fell over, it did three more wounds and just killed the chariot before it got to attack. Um, so yeah, got it was battle for the pass as well that one. So he didn't really have a very wide board space to push down all these blocks. Um, I mean, the skyfires went into one block, pretty much shredded them with the discs. Um, the storm fiends went into another block, and it, it you know it was just sort of went well. Um, shoot one, charge one, sort of thing with the skyfires. Um, but yeah, overall pretty solid game. It was it was, it was a great guy to play as well. Um, so yeah, day day one uh, a loss. Two major wins, so same as uh, same as you two. Yeah, and Les, how did your day one go? Better than your three. Um, well, all right, yeah, no, first, all right. Oh, no, all right, all right. Steady on. Yeah. We've got to the end yet, have we? Yeah, we haven't finished the event yet, mate. We'll see what happens then. Okay. Um, so, first game was against a guy called uh, Carl Kennard. Um, obviously, like the guys have covered this in Scorched Earth. Um, Carl, um, I think it's pretty new to the AOS scene. Um, I've never met the guy before, and, and you know, he was saying, "Hey, we, we had a chat about Stormcast," and he was trying to explain to me how, how his army worked. And I was like, "No, it's cool, man. I, I know it's you know, I've got plates. You know, I know roughly what it does." Um, he had like an Azeroth, a Celestin, Relictor. Um, um, you know, <clears throat> a unit of 15 Liberators, uh, some Judicators, two units of Paladins, uh, Retributors and uh, some Decimators and just some Prosecutors and, um, uh, and some Long Strike Crossbows. I think he had the Vanguard Wing too. I'm sure he had the Vanguard Wing. Um, and yeah, like the game just, he took first turn, sort of like shuffled everything forward uh, onto his objectives. Um, and I then did the usual sort of like buff the star drake run the star drake directly across the table pop a big six for the run and charge um and then just put the star drake directly into the center of his army um got the priority going into turn two um and then the two units of fulminators just cleared off the rest of his stuff just because that's what they do um i um yeah sort of like it was big getting the the priority and managed to get a major win on that one he was a really nice guy though um and he sort of like we were chatting and stuff and Curry was over trolling me like normal, uh, which he does when I'm playing these days, um, which was really cool. Um, second game, uh, I played a guy called Arthur, um, and I can't remember your last name, uh, Arthur, sorry, mate, but he had a death army. Um, I've actually got his list in front of me as well, like, um, which he had uh, a leash priest, Nagash, uh, some two units of direwolves, um, and a unit of skeleton warriors, and the rest of it was going to be summonable. Um, looking at his box, he had a lot of Morgasts in there. Um, oh, I know how this is going to go. Yeah, so he basically, uh, first turn, uh, he took first turn, moved Nagash forwards, summoned up his Morgasts. Um, I sort of like bundled up like I do with the um, with the Stormcast list to make the, like make the most of a staunch defender. Um, and yeah, he, he basically put his Morgasts in, um, I had done my usual thing where I sort of like protect the Fulminators a little bit um, and screen the units, uh, screen sort of like the fighty stuff with like the Prosecutors or a unit of Liberators. Um, and he summoned two units of Morgoths, both units of Morgoths got in, 
Um, they killed the prosecutors and did a lot of damage to the liberators whilst taking their wings back. Um, I then took my turn. Two units of Forminators go into his Morgasts, taking both off. Um, he then, uh, I win priority and push forward a little bit more um, and try and sort of make sure that I'm ready for the Star Strike to land. Um, then he summoned another unit of Morgasts, um, which he put into the Star Drake and Star Drake at him. And then it essentially, it just sort of like the game, sort of like the, the Star Strikes come down and it got a little bit away from him. Um, and sort of like, I think on the last turn, um, I was unsure whether or not it was worth putting the Star Drake into Nagash. Um, and I, I had a really good sort of like turn with more wound shooting from the Formulators into Nagash. And I was like, Do you know what, I'm just going to put like the Star Drake and two units of Formulators into him, just see if I can kill him. Um, you know, which I did, which was really good. Um, so that made you win there. Um, I don't think I lost. Um, I think he, what did he take? I think he only took uh, 500 points off me in that game as well. Um, looking at my point in my little book. Um, and then last, uh, last game of day one, I was playing Jimbo, non Jimbo, um, off narrative fame. Um, on table three um, and his list was like he had a Sylvaneth list it was like completely rogue um, he, he had no Tree Lord Ancient um, and uh, he had Alariel and Durthu and Durthu was his general and and I was like a bit what? <laughs> you know how does that work? Um, playing Sylvaneth a lot like it didn't kind of sort of make that much sense to me um, and yeah I, it, again sort of like I've played Sylvaneth enough to know what um, what the, how, how to beat it and what to do um, just because sort of like playing a lot of games with Sylvaneth as well like I know what I wouldn't want to, to face if I was playing it um, there was one sort of like sticky uh, sticky moment where I pushed the Star Drake a little bit too far forward um, because I'd forgotten that Alariel's move 16 um, and he sort of like moved, bundled her forwards he hadn't got Mystic Shield off um, as well which is always massive like I think Russ touched on it as well is that if you don't if you're still player and you rely on Mystic Shield on Alariel, if you don't get it off, don't move it forward. Yep, a common mistake yeah. everyone makes. I didn't get Mystic Shield, I'm going to push you into your army anyway. Great, thank you very much. Yeah, I've set up, yeah, I've set up to try and sort of like do some damage. But I and they've normally taken first turn to get their trees down, so you then double turn and kill Alariel, and then they're like, oh, my army's broken. Oh. So like, never, ever, ever, ever push Alariel forward without Mystic Shield on, ever. You just wait a turn. Um, yeah, wait. Um, but yeah, like I played Jimbo, and he he basically moved her forward and went to charge the Star Drake, and I was like, I looked at him, and he was like, "You're right," and he like I looked a bit sort of like, and he's like, "Oh, you know, you know, it's this dicey," and like I was like, "Well, you, you know," he, he charged her in. I was like, "What rend is she?" And he goes like, "One or two," and I was like, "Oh, should we? Yeah, the Star Drake could be fine." And he's that was it. It's like rend two, and I was like, "No, you'll be fine." And he's like, "What do you mean?" I was like, "You won't do any. You won't. You probably won't get any damage through." I was like, "If lucky, if you're lucky, you'll get one through." And he was like why are you so confident? I'm like, because I've fought so many Stonehorns over the years, like playing with that list, that unless you've got a higher rend than two, unless if I charge you and you've got rend two, you know, it's a different story. But if I've stood still and I've got the castle and buff and you're charging me with rend two, it's a three up rerolling ones. And like having played eighth edition with the chaos Lord, with the three up rerolling ones, you just take that every day. Like, you know, you build armies around that in eighth edition, wouldn't we? Like, you know, so, um, Three up rerolling ones I was fine with, um, and basically ground Alario off, and then just sort of managed to just out score him, um, which is really good. I never played Jimbo before, and we, we had a laugh sort of like on the Friday night, and yeah, it was just he's top bloke, so it was really nice just chatting because he's coming to Adepticon as well, so like chatting about sort of like the, what we're going to do when we're at Adepticon and stuff, so that was really good. 
um, and that was my that was my day one. Cool, and we um, we went out for um, a rather fun meal and, and cocktails. Didn't we? <laughs> this was just... the best bit of the weekend for me. I love this. Yeah, so we we went out to Chiquitos, didn't we? Yeah. Um, and we we tagged along some of our friends of the show. So we had uh, the villain himself, Sam. It, 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 like, he had a black eye, didn't he? Did yeah. he have a black eye? And someone had told him told him once. Um, um, and we also went out with uh, with Spy Dan. Um, and um, Dan, I'm not a squaddy, Mitchell. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a squaddy. Um, I'm not going to use military terms, so I'll get it wrong. Um, and we were on like one table, and then Les, you're on the other table, weren't you? With you, Andy Talbot, who else was there? Andy Talbot, Liam, uh, Carl Breakspeare, other people? Other people, great. Uh, Ian, Ian Spink? Yeah, uh, Spink. Well. yeah. Mate, I was drunk, wasn't I? Like, yeah, I can't we, remember. Like, yeah, like, yeah, Les, Les and Budweiser at this point. Wasn't there a moment when you were dancing on your own? Yeah. <laughs> So back to the venue. Yeah, in Chiquitos. <laughs> <laughs> Just less dancing in Chiquitos on his own. <laughs> I got really drunk. Liam had to sort of like take me back to the venue. It's sort of like, amazing. Like, show for me back. And like, I don't know how I managed to get in at two o'clock, you know, in the morning, but I did. Um, and yeah, it was just not, I, I'm not Sedge. I cannot play Warhammer after I'd been drinking. <laughs> One of my favourite things about this was I sent uh, I sent a picture of our two... T- well, while we were in there, we were, like, we were trolling at each other's table because, obviously, if we're, we were sat both in booths and some people were back, their backs were to the other people. There are a few hilarious things that happened throughout the night. We called... We dubbed you guys, like, we were the fun table um, because we got our drinks first. I sent a picture through of, of our audio drinks to someone. They said, like, God, where are you guys out? And I replied with Chiquitos. And um, it was met with absolute hilarity because apparently we're weird. But um, we had a great time in Chiquitos. It was amazing. I mean, you had, like, what did you start off with? Was it a coriander chili martini? Yeah. And then you were and you were buying, what were they called? They were, like, God, smoky please. something? Long Island, Island iced teas. Yeah, they were lovely. Yeah, dark Stormy, and dark and stormies, yeah. And then uh, yeah. you bought some weird, like, apple teeny things that tasted... Oh, like... that was amazing. And that bubblegum a... drink. What was that? I don't know. <laughs> but I got, I, um, I got everyone a... I just asked for something that had Midori in it, which is the green melon liqueur. And we got, uh, or whatever it was, it was in a martini glass, so it was quite a strong one. And then I just asked the person behind the bar to put a shot of gin in each. They said they couldn't, but they could give me four shots of gin, which obviously is a fantastic idea um so i loaded up the drinks then took them back for people and was met with slightly strange looks actually not just from our table but everyone i walked by looked to me like i was strange so everyone else in the restaurant wanted <laughs> to be on our table you could just tell our, ours was the fun after, table after seeing your drinks come out like you were like fuck yes let's go get some dark and storm here so we were like you uh russ and Russ and Terry, you both ordered like grown-up drinks, and yeah. then me, and then cancelled them. <laughs> cancelled because we ordered child drinks, and you're like, "Yeah, we're joining in." So um, yeah. yeah, I had a, I had a great time. I had a really really good. Well, time. It was one of the best uh, meals out we've ever had, I think, as a time. Yeah, it was, it was good, um, and it was and really the food was good. It was good, yeah. Well. And it was yeah. funny when we got there though, because like we were, it was got off to a bit of a rocky start, and we were like, "Oh no, is this going to be bad?" Um, and then it, it all, we still did all the cocktails so and the waiter lightened up a bit and it all got really good. Um, yeah. So, Hi, I'm a vegan. 
I need certain foods. And he was like, I've got a vegetarian menu. And you're like, yeah, that's not very helpful because I'm not a vegetarian. (laughs) And I was like, oh no, he's gone there. The V mode's engaged. (laughs) It was just brilliant. Like, hi, I'm vegan. Great. Synagogue's that way. Uh, what? (laughs) Just like, here's something completely irrelevant. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was really fun. I had really tasty food and plenty of it. And, um, I think everyone seemed to be like, a lot of the time, I think the nights that like the nights that are pleasantly surprising become all the better because you weren't expecting to have like as good a time as you did in Chiquitos in a business park or or whatever. Yeah. It was just yeah. it was just complete fun. It was like the best night out I think we've had, especially even sort of like because you guys went back to the hotel afterwards and I'd gone like I was pissed up at the venue like being a knob and Johnson telling me off before we went to the seminar. I yeah, I don't know where you went. We went off, and then you kind of stayed with the other group. Then we lost you. Um, but it was a good night out. It was fun. And then um, in the two o'clock in the morning, we won't we won't go into that. Right. Um, so <laughs> that was day one. Um, so Les, you were on three majors, uh, and yep. we were all on two and a major loss. Um, and we were looking forward to day two. Um, and we'd also had lots of cocktails, which is much much fun. So uh, we're going to take a small break. And then when we come back, we'll go into day two, uh, cover our games, talk about some of the painting and the prizes, and just wrap up from there. Facehammer is sponsored by Element Games. So for great customer service, all the latest Age of Sigmar releases at 20% off, and all your hobby needs, go to www.elementgames.co.uk. To support us directly, click through the banner on our website and let them know that you came from us. And we're back from the break. Um, so straight into day two, Blood and Glory. Um, I'm going to start off with my games, So as I led in last time. So first round opponent today was uh, Justin, as a guy from America actually, playing a Zinch army with Archeon um, and Lord of Change and Skyfires and a Shaman and Horrors. And I was like... And it was duality of death, and I thought, brilliant. So Archeon's going to sit on one objective, and the Lord of Change and the Skyfires are just going to shoot off anything that goes on the other objective, and I literally can't do anything about this. Um, and he didn't do that. He basically buffed Archeon up, pushed him into the middle of the table, not near any of the objectives, um, and I then was able to keep him busy um, and claim one objective of the terror guys with a ring of dogs and they used the dogs um so he couldn't land archeon in a place to hit my terror guys because obviously he can auto kill me if he gets the two five ups with the spell and with the fate dice it's pretty likely um to auto kill my terror guys and then i basically had all my other heroes drip feeding onto the other objective and i had uh arcan as a bit of a bit of a deterrent um, I did have a chance to try and curse the years off Archeon, which he, uh, I did get the spell off. He did fail his four up, ignore it, and um, I didn't get there, but it was it was close. Um, really good game. Um, he took his eye off the ball early on on the objectives. Um, by turn three, I think he'd scored zero objective points, and I was on, I was on like double figures, so it was pretty comprehensive win. On terms of the scenario, uh, VPs, he, he churned my army to bits with Archeon, but I managed to kill 
all his squishy stuff. Um, I just ignored Archeon, basically. Um, his Lord of the Change, I couldn't quite get him down at the end of the game, so he just had Ar- Lord of the Change and Archeon left. Um, uh, but it was good. It was a good game. It was, um, Duality was going to be a tough matchup for me, but he just slightly misplayed the scenario. Uh, took his eye off the scenario and just thought, well, I've got this big guy who can't die, I'm going to put him in the middle of the table and then just watch you push your army into it, which I didn't do. I just kind of avoided him and took the objectives. Um, then game five was against Matt Arnold with his um, in Total Conquest with his Flesh Eater Courts. Um, quite a bit of a shame to play one of the other deaf players doing well because it's you know there aren't many of us and it's not always fun to knock out another deaf player. Um, but um, Matt's a great guy. Played him quite quite a few times now. Um, played him in the doubles as well in the last round. Um, he had a interesting army, so the Terror Geist. Um, Barrent Ghoul King on um, Zombie Dragon, big unit of nine horrors, uh, a Vargulf, a Courtier, and then some ghouls with a Courtier. Um, quite an interesting game this, because um, he had some units which were 20 models, so he could auto-cap. Um, but I had um, a really good table side. I had damn terrain where my flayers were, and I basically forced his... Um, I did what I, I've written an article on the community site about doing a sweeping hammer, and I basically played the what I was going to do is use the Flayers, Arcan, the Mortis Engine, and um, the Vargulf to basically push one flank and sweep round and clear all the ghouls off and try and lure his horrors over the opposite side from Arcan because he didn't want to get him cursed the years off. So I used Arcan as a way of pushing his combat guys onto the other side of the table where my horrors and my terror guys were to try and hold them up. Um, and then the idea was then I was going to try and fight through his his weaker units, uh, get around the back, and win that way. Uh, what was really interesting in this is that actually um, he he basically had an opportunity to take the dogs. I put some dogs onto the objective on my side, and he he went and thought, well, if I get my zombie dragon in, I can kill the dogs and score two points. But I had set up a counter charge with the horrors and the zombie dragon, and I just took him off in one round. I just went in and took him off because um, he failed the charge. Then I had my go, went in, and just took the zombie dragon off from one round of combat. He then put his horrors into my horrors and um, zombie dragon, and I ground him off uh, because he didn't have the re-rolls to hit, which is quite a big deal. We did have a triumph, so we did get that for free one round. Um, I had my healing in range and um, was able to just grind that unit off. And then I, my flayers actually did really badly against the ghouls. They just kept... They were, they were doing awful... They're just not very good against those sort of units. Um, they would have been better off fighting his monsters. Um, but, you know, it didn't really matter because the Mortis Engine and Arcan are actually really good at churning through those kind of weak units. So, uh, pretty comprehensive. He did he did push his Terror Geist down the middle of the table onto my sort of... Uh, bot- also sort of a home objective, the one that sits in your biggest deployment area. Um, which is quite interesting, actually, because his Terror Geist actually failed to kill five Direwolves, um, left it with two models left, which meant he didn't claim the objective, couldn't fail a Battleshock. Um, so he was a bit like, well, that was a bit disappointing. But I think the problem is when you've got a big creature and you hit on fours, it's not that difficult that you might roll badly. Um, bit unfortunate, but it wouldn't have made a difference in the grand scheme of things. Um pretty comprehensively won that as a major uh, so that was two majors into the into that day and and last round i ended up playing very own byron so knife to the heart um for me this mission was 
I didn't play this timidly because I'd already lost a game. I yeah, had to get a major. Either. Yeah, I think and... we both played it very, very similarly. Actually, like we both did things that if um, if a priority went against us or if a couple of rolls didn't go our way, would definitely leave us with our dick slapping in the wind a bit. Yeah, and we had a bit of time pressure because the round was a little bit late. And I think because both our armies are quite resilient and fighty, and there's a lot of movement, we have to be we have to be quite careful about how we move our armies as well. Yeah, it was a, um, it was kind of a shame because I I actually would have, well I did enjoy the game, but it it was actually a really interesting game given yeah. the scenario, and um, neither of us we weren't I don't think anyone made particularly major mistakes, but we were doing things that like I said would leave you very open if things didn't go your way. So it kind of was pretty swingy backwards and forwards wasn't it yeah i was a bit i was a bit disappointed because i gave you um i think i gave you first turn and you kind of had a very bad magic phase and i was kind of hoping you had a decent one so you would have pressed into my army with yeah. with stuff and the plan was was to um basically ignore the birds that were now going to be in my army and basically head towards your army and hope for a double turn with um, me go- with me gooed up instead of my birds doing the going up yeah yeah so your your guys basically pinned in place and my stuff kind of going for your going for your men's um and just keeping enough back to stop you scoring with five models in my in my area trying to clear clear you guys off so um but i had uh uh, basically, I think there's, there's lots of things in this game where the flares are pretty good. Important. Terrain was really important, yeah. And um, you um, you managed to shoot off my terror geist in one round of shooting from the Glade Guard. Myst- Mystical Glade Guard! Was the hit roll was pretty spectacular. Um, Mystical Glade Guard! Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I mean, I had... Then you were able to come off and basically grind my horrors off. Uh, but if I had won that second turn... My Ooh. horrors and terror guys would have basically gone into your into your army basically unmolested, and I think that would have basically cleared off so much that you, it would have been really hard for you to come back from that. Yeah, um, I'm sure I could have. Like my army does, uh, it matches well against fox stuff, uh, as I mentioned before. There's nothing in your army that particularly scares my characters, so I've no doubt that in in the game against you, victory points wise, I can I can normally do pretty well, but. I, even if I got a load of victory points, you would have still absolutely smashed me on in terms of just getting rid of my things that can actually do scoring. Yeah, and I think I think um, towards the end of the game, I was starting to win the victory point battle. I was starting to pull it back. Um, when I had most of your units down, I had Arkan in your backfield. My flayers were regrown and fighting your birds. Um, smashed every single one of my wizards to bits, pretty much. Yeah. Mortis engine was pretty important in doing that. It's it's bubble hit all your characters and just D three mortals on everything, and then it was just I'll arcane three, bolt that three, guy. Three, I'll curse three, the is that guy. <laughs> I'll you know I'll I'll you know I'll, I'll just do a cup charge the flares in round the back. I think there was one turn I didn't get the double one to two, but I got it like um, two to three, and yeah. I and I re- retreated my flares out and then got round the back and was able to finish off some of your key characters. Which then dropped your armor save on your birds, and then it was. I was thinking, well, I'm in a good position here. Um, losing the terror geist and the horrors was pretty massive, but yeah. at the end of the day, it's like well, can't have it all, you know. Um, and I was I was fairly happy with how the game was playing out, but you, we didn't get we didn't get the last round in. I think it made a massive difference. Um, and maybe if I dropped your dragon, it would have pulled the victory points back to one way or the other. But 
Um, I think it was uh, it was a pretty good game, and we ended up with a minor victory to you, didn't we? So yeah, I mean, so. I looking. At, I mean, I'm talking about it now. We're already talking about it, but um, when I looked at the the way the board was, particularly after the way my first ton had gone. And I probably would have yellowed it all in because it's it's how the army tends to play. Whether I went straight forwards or tried to sneak around edges or get um, pile-ins by doing things in in different orders, which is one of my favourite things to do when I've got multiple birds up in your face, um, is is another matter. But when the magic didn't go off, I looked at it and I knew I had to. Like you, I we both lost a game. I lost my first one because I wasn't there. Um, Nothing was going to happen unless we got a major, and it's very hard to get a major in. So I had to look at the board, and I I know the strength of your army because I sat there when we were talking about you you, you playing yeah. it in Portugal. Um, I know exactly the strength of your army, and that is when people under-allocate your units, don't wipe them out, and they all pop back up. But I had to play doing that. Basically, I went for... I think there was one pivotal turn for me, which is just prior to your absolutely like horrific explosions, Baffy turn, where you just um, really, like gain the upper hand where i allocated a just slightly over enough attacks to uh both uh take out arcan and your flayers and the turn before that i'd allocated enough to um probably take out horrors i think but i it's the type of thing i would counsel someone against doing but given how the game was i knew i had to play greedily otherwise i just wouldn't manage to wipe out enough things because if I concentrated, then you'd still have three units of dogs standing at the back of your board like, great, <laughs> uh, still no major for you. Uh, you just managed to kill a dragon, um, horrors and flayers. So I allocated just over like what I needed and didn't quite make it on any of them. And then in particular, Arkan, he, um, he ran around and just started rampaging in my horribly gooey backfield. Um, and he was a bit of a beast, wasn't he? Yeah, he's really good for that. I mean, he's um so women. It yeah, and it's just it's just good on the poke, you know. And the fact that he heals when you when you kill stuff. I completely to, forgot about that. It's it's yeah. an, it's a, just enough to keep him up um and stop normally when you go into these weaker units, you take the odd wound, you take the odd wound, you take the odd wound. But because you're take a couple wounds, you heal him back, take a couple wounds, you heal him back, Mortis engine heals you. It's like actually he's really really survivable. Um and Seven wounds can come back pretty fast, can't yeah, they? Like yeah, yeah, exactly. Or... And I think I even one time I got back like four or five in over the two double turn. I he was down quite low and he ended up going was, back up quite had, significantly. Yeah, two left, and then he went up to an amount which with with him surrounded by soft stuff was just not even reachable. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And I think you you had a pretty stonking couple rounds of combat with your dragon and your birds, and you were doing like your mortal wound output was pretty spectacular. Um, you seem to get the breath. You kind of got the D six mortal wounds a couple of times yeah. and things like that. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a good game. It's a shame we didn't get to finish it out really, but um, it was a good way to end anyway, because we talk about six games, but at least playing someone, you know, yeah, it matters a lot more makes when it it's late fun. in the day. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was good fun. I think um, I was still happy with how my death, performed it was a little bit of a shame to draw you in the last round because looking around the other tables i was thinking there's a lot of people who don't know what my army does and i would have been in a very yeah. good position to get a major in that that game because yeah. my army does it really well it's got enough to keep back and it's got a lot of fast aggressive units which can really churn through and just 
just clear off everything around the objective. It's it's one yeah, of those like armies that whatever it's like your twelve or fifteen percent chance of just removing something with curse of years, which yeah. in a game like that, like say someone's got a block of I don't know whatever is picking or something like that. Yeah. Or dryads or whatever just stood around something in a circle you can like bit over ten percent chance you can just remove that entire unit and that is so scary and so cool. And it's so good about it is it's in the hero phase. So you can go, oh, I've just removed that big unit that was blocking all the table and, and in the way, and now suddenly I can get into all the stuff it was in front of, and and there's nothing in between me and that. And yeah. It's just, it's just you a tool you with. don't have in death. It's just, I almost think he's almost an auto pick if you want to be competitive for death. He's so, it's not reliable, but it's just the fact, it's just the fear factor. It's like it could happen. Yeah. Um, I do. Um, I do absolutely love your list. I look at it and I think, well, when you were sat there talking about it, like you we talking about different units and stuff like that, and when you were talking about it in Portugal, I was excited at the prospect of you playing it because um, I think it's one of those lists where, like, I looked at it and if you hadn't, if it had been anyone but you, I would have just been like, I would have had like my my fuck bono on the go just because I would ruffle stomp across the table and and just absolutely wipe that. Um, I think probably at the hands of most people because my army on paper and I'm fairly experienced with it. It just matches up very well against the type of damage it outputs. But played well, the list is is just so, so tricky and clever, and it's got all these little lovely intricacies and, and like, comparisons or differences between two units and then resilient bits or, like, surprises for your opponent. Like, there was one guy that's now five back. Uh-oh. Um, I think as well, like, um, the reason I'm not playing feck, uh, you keep calling it fuck, but it's fine, Um is that the the issue I had and when I spoke about the list is just I couldn't get everything I wanted to with the battle line restrictions. So when you play Flesh Eater Courts, you ghouls a battle line, which you expect, and the only way to get your Flayers or your Horrors battle line is to take the Courtier as your general. And the problem is as soon as you do that, you're limiting obviously what artifacts you can give those models. You don't really have a command trait, so you're like, well, I don't really want to give them a command trait because they're not like one of the fleshy ones is minus two bravery, which is really nice if you're using a terrorized. But then as soon as you do that, you've got to take three units of ghouls, which are like 100 points a pop. Not particularly brilliant. And you're just like, well, actually, I want to, I don't want to spend 300 points on the battle line, um, which actually all the points are really tight in the army. Then if you ally, so you go well, ally Arcan in, you don't get your death save, and then also you don't have any points to ally in anything else, so I couldn't put the Mortis Engine in. And then it's the combination of, because I use the Mortis Engine as a bit of a blocker for Arcan, so it follows him around the table and basically just just gets in the way, so you get less attacks on him, if or you know it heals him. And I think the problem is, is I just looked at the Flesh Eater Court Allegiance and just went, well, it's not going to work. I can't write a list... Because I end up with either loads of flayers or loads of horrors, and flayers are good against elite stuff with armor, and horrors are really good against hordes. I want both. If I have both, then I only one's going to be about battle line, which means I have two units of ghouls, which means I have to make the courtier my general, which then means that I haven't got the thing on my on the guy, the big bat or the big uh, zombie dragon. And then you're like, well, I need mortal wound output, so I've kind of got to take the terrorgeist. I want to ally something in that can deal with. At range and do damage so what choices do I have so it's again you start going around in circles trying to find a list and then when I went straight into the Grand Alliance death this list kind of just fell together and it's kind of a flesh eater army but it's not 
Uh, but it's basically most of the elements that makes Flash Eaters good um, with with some bits to plug the gaps. So I'm really happy with the list. It's, it's probably one of the funnest and, I think, competitive. I think if I was playing this list at multiple events, um, you know, probably going back six months or so, I think I could have been... I could have been podium with it quite comfortably because I didn't feel like there was any game I couldn't win, which is quite a nice feeling. Yeah, it's super cool. I um, I really, really like it. Also, just playing with a zombie dragon is just... It's terrorgeist. Terrorgeist. Uh, that model. I just enjoy popping him on the table and doing things. And Curse Book is lovely, especially when you remember. I, I forgot so much. Like when I played Andy Hughes and it was in amongst his unit of 30... <laughs> Um, oh. Guys with throwing axes and his thirty guys with the fire glaives. It affects all their shooting as well, and I completely yeah, forgot. And he just did two turns of all his shooting and combat with no negative modifier, which yeah. he should have had minus one, which I think would have made quite a big difference. But it's my fault. I should have remembered. But it's yeah, what happens when you don't play with a list. Yeah, um, su- such supernatural terror never came into the game. Like, never really worked because <laughs> people were always immune to battle shock, or I just killed them. Um, yeah. It just never really came into it, so it was a little bit of a shame. But um, I, th- I think it worked a little bit against Chris in the first round, but it would didn't. It was a bit of a mute point. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it was good, solid. So quite happy with that. Um, overall, I finished fifteenth. Um, you know, which is is fairly respectable. I think it was a hundred and ten people. Yeah, 110 people, 15th with death, highest death player, I think, other than there was a Soul Blight Army in 9th. Uh, but I was fairly happy with with that performance. Um, so, yeah, well, you've yeah. said, you, you've said you, you think the army's good and it can compete, but it's it's not like it's not a netlist army at all, and it definitely doesn't play itself. No, exactly, but I was, um, I was fairly happy with that result. Um, Particularly on the the sort of I sort of played armies that were a bit off the spectrum, um, which was kind of a little bit of an issue for me because I, I kind of like armies that are a bit more metery. Um, again, I did have to play Zinch, and I thought actually that's going to be a tough game, but it that should never have won that game. If 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 um, Justin was played his army a bit better, he, he should have easily won that. I think um, uh, the Fireslayer matchup I'm not normally that bothered about, um, but I just couldn't get through him. I just had a bit of a bad some bad luck on the rolls um, and the the objective didn't come down where I needed it to so but yeah good overall happy with the list happy with the event um, I, I liked having my army out with the new paint scheme and stuff so I was quite happy to see it on the table yeah it was, it was cool it was a good feeling so um, yeah it was all good that was my tournament so Byron do you want to just go through your other two games and wrap up and then we'll go to go through the other guys yeah may as well so I played um, two Sylvaneth um, and then Russ, which seems to be like a, a consistent theme for my day twos at tournaments at the moment. And I played uh, Adam Rawson. I think he played. Did he play Tom on stream? Uh, one of the earlier rounds. I think so. Maybe. Yeah. Um, and he had uh, just like a, a mega, mega, mega aggro Sylvan F list. Um, just it's just Kernoff. That's it. <laughs> just, um, and I looked at it and I was so scared. Uh, but it was in it was in duality. I think he had he had a low amount of characters, but I was just so worried that he could um 
he could goo me up with things because you, you use the rest of your army that aren't characters so strangely in this scenario use them kind of how I use mine normally um, I was worried he'd be able to do shenanigans and drop things in the way and then start exploding woods everywhere and doing a load of rules that I don't understand um, but I, uh, I managed to get ahead on that one My the debuff to wound from the Frost Phoenixes is super super pivotal, always is in these matchups and then the other thing is kind of I find Kernoth Hunters, you can, unless people run them in, particularly when they try and stand them in woods, um, depending how you've agreed trees before the game or whatever, you can tag onto ends of units with the dragon beautifully, and often they'll end up removing it so you're out of combat, um, which you have to bear in mind, but you can just limit what comes back at you so easily. Um, and the talisman means that I've got one turn of guaranteed minus one to hit against him, and maybe with some magic I've got minus two to hit, which makes all the difference in the world. Um, so I, I, I got up in that one, and then having played Sylvaneth, I played Sylvaneth again, and I played uh, played Laurie. And this was another another one for overperforming Gladeguard, and another one uh, for Alarial and Mystic Shield not going off. So um, again, to like back up these guys, uh, their sentiments about it, if you don't get off Mystic Shield, Alarial is a lot weaker. Um, I'm not sure if I would have minded too much, because the Gladeguard got three rend, but... Um, Basically, I kind of set up my army in a weird L shape. He was playing the same formation that uh, Matt played me with. Is it the Dread Dreadgrove? Dreadwood. Dreadwood. Yeah. Um, uh, Hyper aggroed in um, a unit kind of on the corner uh, of, of one bit of my army, so I couldn't get too much towards it. But um, the, the debuff from the bird managed to come into effect, and it, it works wonders. Matt. I like playing scary lists, having faced another very similar version of them in the previous round. I find I always find the second game, I always play it much more on point if I'm super fresh, which I, I kind of felt having faced another scary Sylvaneth list. And um, Laurie was an absolute gem, but something weird happened in the game where he, he'd moved Laurie up, who wasn't shielded. I don't think it would have mattered, and I'll, I'll explain why. Um, but uh, he moved her up. And um, it just, we were having a nice chat and stuff. He, he must have just not been paying attention. And it comes to the charge phase, and he rolls his dice and gets a three. And he's like, cool. And I'm like, uh, what? You're like, you're not in? He's like, oh, no, I, I popped her this far away. And um, then we look down, and she's like six inches away. Like, it's definitely out. And he's just, it's not, he's not by any, trying to be cheeky or anything at all. He was, he was an absolute gent about it, but he, he just hadn't. You know, just something like, you look down, and you're like, well, my intent was this, but I hadn't. Um, and we had a little bit of a chat, and he just said, look, it's it's such a... He, he just put it massively out of position. Um, and I'd, I'd assumed he'd done it with some type of intent, like he was letting himself go one way or the other or something like that, because it looked so... Sort of like he would have just put her three inches away if he'd wanted to. Wanted to. So I had a little chat, and I was like, she's kind of out, and he said, like, look, it's, it's absolutely fine. Um, that's my bad. I'll remember from that mistake. I think it wouldn't have mattered too much because with the charge distance she rolled, you would have just gone in, killed 10 skinks. And then what happened my next turn would have still happened, which was uh, Mystical Glade Guard did their thing and with Ren 3 just, just took her off the board. Um, the way I normally work the phase, if I'm playing around the Laurel or another big monster like that and using the Glade Guard the best is I do things and russ mentioned this kind of but with movement with arcan you do them you do your spells in kind of a cascading order of importance so i do a doom bolt first if i only get one wound with a doom bolt then i'll do like 
an arcane bolt because the doom bolt's got the potential to do five or six so then i can kind of plan accordingly in reverse if that makes sense so got off a doom bolt did a few wounds thought okay get off one arcane bolt that's enough the glay god should be able to take it and then i can put minus one to hit somewhere else on the field on kernoth's in this case and then the glay god did their thing and uh and shot her and then i've got judicators to go left next because there's a lot of options for shooting in my army getting um they do get shitter and shitter it allows me to go in like reverse order of damage potential through both a magic phase and then a shooting phase so i don't end up doing that thing where you over allocate like a really important unit just to get the last three wounds um so she went down which is is always pivotal and that allowed me to get my um because it's quite a small elite army that allowed me to get my um get my dragon and one of my birds into the corner of a unit of minus one to hit Kernos and um, did exactly what I'd done in the previous game. It was um, it was a really good game, though, and I think probably one of the things that um, I think a lot of people were talking about was I just had five really, really good opponents, like lovely, lovely opponents um, at Blood and Glory. Everyone I played was just exemplary, um, and I think there was a pretty... It was apparent on our night out there was a very nice crowd of people there. So, um, yeah, I had um, that was it, though, my two games. The Glay Guard, like I said, performed better. I think that might be because I was running 13 drops. So everyone, like, uh, like I got to put things where I wanted more. And I basically worked out that Glade Guard, you're kind of in for a penny, in for a pound with them. So they, every single game, if there was mystical, they'd just be, there's 20 of them, so they're long enough that like five guys can be strung out towards it if I need to be in a different position or something. But I sat myself in woods that were mystical, probably two or three out of the five games that I played. Russ didn't give me any choice because I had two bits of mystical in my diagonal of the board. But um, it makes such a big difference on them. Like They're only good once. So you may as well really go for it. Um, and they they were actually really, really useful in a couple of games. Like took out Dragon, took out Alarial, um, did a number on a load of Chaos stuff. I think they did some wounds to Skyfires because the Skyfires have been shooting against other things. They're just really tasty. Um, but yes, that's it. So you're revising your previous great card of rubbish? Um, yes, I move think... on. <laughs> <laughs> I think they are a, they they get exponentially better the more waves of crap you have to put in front of them. So you have to. It's twenty um, models, isn't it? Once they go above twenty, they're good. Yeah, I mean, I would just rather pay more points and have two units adjudicators every single time. But um, I'm going to make the most of them, and I spent so long painting them that I kind of feel I have to use them. So um, with the skinks, I, I I was making a lot of like strange box shapes with the Glade Guard being like five inches behind the front of that, so nothing can pile into them. And um, people don't tend to try and get a couple of wounds off them, which makes them minus one to hit. So if they're 20, which I'm running them at, one wound is enough to just make it so they're hitting on fours instead of threes. Yeah, it makes a massive difference. difference. Yeah. Fortunately, yeah. I don't have any way to do that. <laughs> no, luckily for me, because I'm sure that would have been the first thing that you did. But um, yeah, they're my game. So I came out of it with... Uh, four major wins and a minor win against Russ. And you finished sixth overall, didn't you? Yeah, very respectable. Then you turned up for your first game. Yeah, I think uh, things would have definitely gone very differently. I probably would have got. I'd have, I had a grudge my first day and I would have got smashed. That's not why I didn't turn up. But um, 
I would have been submarining. Actually, maybe it would have been exactly the same. I've just got a really big loss and done yeah. exactly what I did. Anyway. Maybe got a few more VPs, but other than that, yeah, yeah, so, not bad. Um, Eight thousand. No, no. Um, the list generally does really, really well at it, actually, and um, it's. I think I'm. am j- just playing it more and more and more aggressively because I'm more confident of its potential. And to be frank, I, I've still not played Siege very much, and um, Siege and the Stormcast are the things that just stop me getting to play my own game. So, yeah, since you're pretty pretty gnarly, so cool. <clears throat> well done. So um, thank you. Next. <laughs> Eric? What's the good I, I can I crack mine out. That's fine. Crack one off. So crack one off. Um, steady, steady. Uh, yeah. So I played Chris Myhill on first game of day two. So round four. Um, he had a sort of different Stormcast list. It wasn't a classic net list of sorts. You know, it had a big unit adjudicators. It had fulminators. Had a prime. Had a guy on a Dracoff. Um, oh. Some liberators. Like it, a relictor and a heraldor, a spell uh, singer from Widows. Yeah, Is which that... which I can't remember him doing anything within the game other she, than just Mystic Shield. Yeah, it's a free dispel. It's free dispel, and she Mystic Shields the Fulminator unit. So you go Castle and Buff, Staunch Defender, Mystic Shield. Yeah, the the Mystic Shield. She, she was just so far away from anything that she really needs to actually shield. Um, he made me go first because he wanted to go for the double. Um, now this was duality of death. So the prime was always going to come down on one objective at some point, um, to obviously, you know, to clear one off and start capturing it. Um, and he had the heraldor to move, um, another hero onto an objective. Now, we made a mistake in this game. The prime can't capture the turn he comes down. Unless he charges. Unless he charges Unless, onto it, yeah. Yeah, but he didn't. He just deployed onto the board. Um, and also, when you lightning chariot, you don't capture because you're set up. You haven't moved. So this threw the game out completely because on his first scoring turn, he scored one each on each objective, which he shouldn't have scored, which meant on the second turn, he scored two each, which he shouldn't have got because at this point he's on six points when he should be on two because they should have only started capturing the second turn when he could have moved them and started capturing. Um, So anyway, he made me go first and he played for the double. If he put himself in a really aggressive position he was like well you've deployed well i don't think i can really do what i want to do so i'm just going to move up and play for the double if i get it i'm in a good spot if i don't you're gonna probably take me off with the gateway the sky fires and everything else um so he went for it and unfortunately he got the double and it got to the point where i just couldn't catch up um but it was it was my fault i I was confident it was a setup and not a move, and I should have pushed the issue and and got it sorted. Um, you know, potentially would have changed the outcome of the game. Um, but yeah, it, it was un- you know, unfortunate to take that loss. Um, game five played Ellis Priestley with his um, Cradrons. Yeah, this was the weird Tetris 
Total Conquest um, weird deployment one. Um, he was a top gent in this game, and I gave my best sports for this because he had skyhooks in his army, which I completely forgot about, on a close combat unit. And he went in... I, I scattered my models forward to like block him so he couldn't get in anywhere, completely forgetting he had skyhooks. So I got to the end of my move, and I was like, yeah, I'm do happy mean, with that. Do you mean grapnels? Uh, grapnels, sorry, yeah. Sorry, yeah, grapnels. Um, he did have a lot of skyhooks too, but yeah. Um, and it got it got to the point where I was like, right, I've I've found out, I've covered all the area. I'm quite confident that you you know you can't just fly over and get in there or anything. Got to the end of my move phase, and he was like, right, you do realise I can just grapnel like straight over to that corner, and then I'll get your skyfires and your order change. And I was like, I completely forgot you had grapnels. Um, he's like, well, you know, it's it's a massive thing, so. I'm just going to remind you that I've got the grapnels. I was like, right, cool. I'm going to move these plague bearers and now you can't get in. Um, and that, I thought that that was just really good of him to remind me. Cause at the start he, he reeled for everything he had. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I know what it all does. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I completely forgot what it all does. Cause I forgot that grapnels are a thing. So it was, you know, it was really good of him to, you know, make that game last more than what it would have because if he'd have got in there and got the double turn he would have killed all the skyfires plus the lord of change and then probably the rest of my army you know i'd have just had plague bearers left at that point which he would have just even though i had the you know the big minuses to hit he would have just ground them out um so yeah i mean that that was reasonably close on points as well like with the score um i only won by a a point or two um so yeah that that was a really good game and um you know it was good of him to point out these had the grapnels after i'd forgotten uh in the last game i played craig chesters with skyborne slayers it's been a while since i played skyborne slayers because the last time i played them they didn't get a free prime and some other <laughs> bits and pieces in there as well so it was a oh, lot about that hey still better hurt about that well it's handicaps in that you know getting like five, six hundred extra free points, whatever. Um, but yeah, no, it was, the army's a lot smaller than what it was before. Um, yeah. I think you get like one less unit adjudicators and a prime and prosecutors less or something. Took, I took, uh, all of the heroes, the prime, uh, what was it? Is there, I used to take a relic. To, no, yeah, I took a relic, a venator, a celestant, a prime, and four units adjudicators and a unit yeah. prosecutors and that and skyborn slayers in yeah. And yeah, that, exactly. So his this is before General's Handbook, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, this was before the the South Coast points, then the General's Handbook points. So this was back in like Mocomp when I last played Skyborn Slayers against Les at the Masters. Yeah. When when Chaos was massively overpointed and Stormcast were really underpointed and I had like no models and Les had like double the amount of Stormcast. Oh, good old yeah. days. Um, so, yeah, I, I played Craig, and he got his units the wrong way around. He could have put the um, the Decimators should have gone into um, the Skyfires because of their minus... Is it minus two to your bravery or plus two to your Battleshock? Minus... Uh, you add two to the Battleshock. Yeah. If they'd have gone in, 
and then you'd have put the four star soul maces into them, plus the other attacks and probably some shooting or some. You know, those those skyfires are dead every day of the week because their bravery is terrible. He'd have killed all the skyfires. I wouldn't have been able to go and claim his objective later on in the game. I wouldn't have been able to shoot off his heroes and the sky the skyfires were like the main threat. And he went in trying to kill all my chaff. He put the ten decimators into the thirty plague bearers. But I spread them out in such a way that each dude was only getting maybe three or four attacks with the decimators, but they're already minus one to hit. I had Cunning Deceiver as well, so it was just the Star Soul Maces that did damage. But, you know, like I casually sometimes do, I rolled, I think, eight out of 11 five-up saves on the Nurgle save, and just nothing happened. And then I rolled a one and got, like, the four or five Plague Bearers he killed back. Um, so it was a devastating first turn for him. The units weren't in the correct place for what, you know, what they should have really been trying to go for. And I didn't really lose anything. Um, I then, I believe, double turned him back and it was the Storm Fiends just blew apart. The Decimators, the Skyfires killed the Retributors. Um, it was, it was pretty much Christmas at that point for me. Um, it went up and down a little bit towards the end of the game, but the Skyfires managed to just break free with the Shaman. They bombed it across the board, um, and then they went into five Liberators, stood on his objective. This was in uh, Knife to the Heart. The Shaman went in and killed the Relictor in combat, and the Skyfires went and killed the um, the five Liberators, which, obviously, I had control of both objectives and immediately scored the Major on like I think it's end of turn four, maybe five. So came out of that with uh, another win. So overall four majors and two major losses, which I'm quite happy with because I could have won both the other games. So I was it. I could have won all six games um, had they gone slightly different. But then I could have also lost that last one if they got you know Craig had just put the the, the units around the other way. I think I I'm not sure he remembered that that plus two battle shock thing is horrific against storm fiends and um skyfires because he could have just put a couple of star souls into the storm fiends you then you're losing one on a six but then with that plus two to your battle shock roll that unit's what dead on a four plus yeah that's that you yeah. know that's that's massive i was though round it with that and the prime because the prime you minus one to your bra- uh, minus one to your bravery and then yeah. two to your battle shock and um, I just always play around it back in the day, you know, just in trying like almost bravery bomb people off. Yeah, I mean th- those alone, because then he could have put the retributors into the storm fiends, or maybe a couple of star souls and the rest of the retributors, and then he could have put his heroes and the rest of the star souls and retributors into the be prosecutors, but yeah, well, or whichever they were protectors. Yeah, yeah, sorry, not retributors, protectors. He could have put them into the. Um, the Skyfires and the Storm Fiends with the bravery thing from yeah. like the decimators being close by, he could have killed both those units and the game. Uh, that's it. Uh, the game was over. If he'd have killed the Storm Fiends and the Skyfires, that was it. Cause I only had plague bearers basically and some heroes after that. Yeah. Um, and he, he went like really aggro on killing the, um, Gaunt Summoner as well, which I wasn't really sure about. Cause he was, like, oh, I've played against it before and it just decimated me. And I was thinking, well, in a, against hordes and really far away. Yeah. He's not bad. But in this scenario, it doesn't really do a lot because you've got units of like 10 men. You know, he's going to do a handful of wounds to a retributor unit or pre- uh, protectors or decimators. It's, it's not really, you know, he put the Venator 
star-fated arrow or whatever it is into him and the judicate he really went all in on killing that guy when i'd have probably gone for the shaman um to stop the you know the plus one on the on the sky fires but yeah you know i think it was just lack of practice with the army he said he you know he hadn't he hadn't had that many games of it so you know fair enough um but yeah that was uh that was mine overall i think i came 18th overall um Picked up a few tournament points for getting max um, painting scores for the event as well, which was quite good. Um, but yeah, so your your games then, Les? My games? So I did the the typical Les Martin choke uh, uh, day two, um, standard. There, there was a thing at the start of the year. Um, it basically, um, I played um, yeah Darren Watson on uh, on the telly, um, which with his Crotonado, um, which was um, in obviously duality of death. Um, the I felt like uh, the game could have gone. It was. I mean, it's probably good to watch on the, on the, the stream and see. I'll tell you where I think I made a massive mistake. Is um, at one point in the game, I've got he's got croak on the bellwind uh, on the objective. I've got the other objective um, with the star drake, and what I chose to do was clear off his skinks instead of run the fulminators back over to his side of the table, um, and I think that massively hindered me because then like those formulators put pressure he can't take croak off the bell in because the formulators just do a number on him um and you know i think that was where i made like a big mistake um i got a little bit unlucky in uh, the second turn i think i put something silly like 22 wounds on croak and like darren made them all like armor saves just made them all um and yeah, the game was, it, you know, it was, it was quite close, but I think sort of like he had two turns, um, like the first turn he didn't get off the, the both of his croak spells that he needed to. Um, and that was my opportunity to win the game. And I, uh, like he just made the, the armor saves, um, and then sort of like the following up a couple of turns later, um, sort of like, you know, croak made, went, went batshit and sort of like killed all my heroes um and most of the stuff on the table and eventually chipped off the um chipped off the star drink um so yeah it was it was quite close i think um he scored sort of like uh points in every turn um and i only scored like three so um i think it, it was a close game but i was massively hung over and like was almost kind of like just not I felt like I played it okay, apart from that one like mistake. But you can see it a little bit better on the um, on the stream. Um, there was one instance as well where sort of like Darren dropped, uh, dissolved the the bellwind and put crit onto the objective. Um, and I said to him at that point, I was like, before we got into the next phase, I was like, do you want to move croak? And he was like, what do you mean? I was like, well, you've not actually moved onto the objective. Yeah, because yeah, it's, you have to move, don't you? after me and because and that would have been sort of like i think he still would have won the game points wise but like you know it's it's one of those things where um if i did win the game i wanted to win it the right way and that's something that you know that you know i've took over the years is that you know i'm not gonna you know i, I will want to win like correct way um and like you know and it was just one of those really um you know me i think it was the right thing to do um Next game, I played. Um, uh, I can never pronounce his last name. Is it Joe McGough or Joe McGo? I'm not sure. McGough, um, I think yes. Yeah, um, and he had Jack Armstrong's um, Vanguard Wing um, 
Stardrake list with the 30 Liberators. Um, this one, I I think I deployed, at this point I was like really feeling it, and I deployed a little bit badly, um, which uh, allowed him to get essentially his Liberators into everything um, on the, the first turn. I didn't deploy like the normal bubble. I sort of like spread out a little bit because it was on Total Conquest with the, the sort of like the weird sort of stepped yeah. um, deployment, which I think is actually quite a bad one for this. I need to figure out how I deploy that army on that um, on that scenario, because you can quite easily just allow your opponent to get on, on the objectives and it turn into Battle for the Pass. Um, and, you know, the army works well in tandem because it's all bunkers up well together and fight stuff. Um, but yeah, he put a load of Liberators in my army. Um, and so the way you beat the, the Vanguard Wing, in my opinion, is that the problem you've got is that essentially you've only got two heroes, um, which is, you know, the the, the relics here. So the, the, uh, you've got the Castellant and you've got the Stardrag. Um Now, if you Castellant buff the Liberators, then the Stardrake's really easy to kill. Whereas if you Castellant buff the Stardrake, then the Liberators are really easy to kill. And most players overextend. They don't allow for the Castellants. You know, it's not a very good, it's not a big move. It's not a very long range for that ability. So... Generally, what Joe had done is he put all, all of his he'd, um, castle above the liberators, and he'd um, inspire presence presence of the liberators from the Star Drake, which then allowed me to go right. Well, I can put the Forminator, Forminators and my Star Drake into your Star Drake, um, which should kill it. Knowing like you know how how it works in my list. So he did. He put his stuff in. I put the Stardrake and the Forminators in, um, and d- left Stardrake on one wound. Um, rolled for priority, um, and Joe got it, which really makes the game hard then because he has got one wound left on the Stardrake. He then inspiring presence the Liberators again, which means that I've got two more rounds of them not running away. Um, which was which was massive, um, and essentially it, he basically he got the turn, and I, I never got the double turn. I never sort of like got the priority back against it. So the Drake eventually went down, but by this point he'd scored on my objectives, uh, and I hadn't. He'd scored all four. He'd scored all four again in turn two because I, I've not been able to clear the liberators off, um, and it just became a grind then. So um, I lost that game major. Um, I felt like I could have won it. Um, but it, it just didn't it kind of sometimes it just gets away from you a little bit too much if stuff doesn't quite go your way I think bad deployment on my part um, and you know perhaps expecting to kill the star drake in one go was uh, you know a bit much but I felt that you know if, if I'd have got the priority sort of like at any of the points that I felt I needed it I could have pulled, pulled the game back but, but Joe played it solid I mean to be fair it was just like he deployed into combat on the first turn and didn't do anything else and that was that. Um, so that's two major losses. Um, at this point, I was super hungover and like was just like I just don't want to play the last game. And me and Sam Davis um, we were both basically up with. And I was he was on the table next to me. I'm like, if we play each other, should we just bin it off and not bother game six? Because um, I was feeling like just rough. Um, and yeah, no, in in. Sam played somebody else, and I, I ended up playing James Teensdale, which is a guy that I played. Um, I played at the Heat two or Heat one. Heat one with um, Sylvaneff, and he's a, he's a really nice guy. I know you played him a few times, or something. You played him once, um, and 
he's a yeah he's a top bloke. He had a Cadron list with some Forminator alloys, um, and at this point, I just thought, well, I'm I'm table nowhere. I don't, you know, I'm not really that bothered about playing the game because I it, what I do against a Cadron list is I sit down and go, you out deploy me, I bunker everything up, you drop and you try and shoot and kill everything. If you roll badly, then I double turn you back and win. If I you do roll, if you roll good, take off like the units that have buffed the star rate, and then you know I'm I'm only on a two up save. I'm not on the one up save because you've took first turn. I've not managed to get the pass and buff off. Um, I just have to get like a lucky dice roll, and um, and I, I just thought you know what, let's just play it for fun. So he he deployed everything, and I was like, well, I'll put a unit of prosecutors in the sky, and and he was like, right, I'm going to do this, and, and he put. On the boat and put his foot in the sky, and I was like, "Why, right, cool?" I was like, "Is everything?" He's like, "Yeah." I was like, "Everything of mine's in the sky," and he was like, "What?" I was like, "Yeah, in the sky." I was like, "Take first turn and double turn me now," um, and he was just like, "Wow, I didn't expect you to do that," um, and I was like, "No." Um, it was, and it turned out to be like a, a bad, bad idea. So essentially, um, you know, I dropped the, I managed to come down and I played for the double turn, didn't get it, um, and then James basically shot me off and rang the star break off and, and got the major win by like. I think that's the problem when you can't actually dictate when you come down. You've just got to roll and hope you don't roll freeze. Yeah, and you know it's like it, 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 I I did play it badly, but at this point I was like, Do you know what, I don't really care. You know, yeah. I'd, I'd, I think after I'd lost the after I'd lost the the, the first game to Darren. Um, you know, if I'd have bounced back and beat Joe, I think I maybe might have switched it on a little bit more. But I think sort of like after losing to Darren and then losing to Joe, sort of like realising that I'm going to finish nowhere, it, it didn't really matter to me. I was just like, you know, I'd rather have a fun game that's over quickly so I can sort of like pack my shit up and, and sort of like focus on, you know, the drive back from Derby, um, which is what like what essentially I did. Um, and like, you know, uh, James, not taking that away from James, he played a really good game and he, he, he found square. Like, you know, but it's... Um, but yeah, I think I would have played it a little bit differently. I would have deployed much deep into my deployment zone and and maybe went for the you know played it the standard way I would against Cardron, but you know didn't didn't matter. Um, so yeah, I was on three major wins and three major losses, and it's my worst finish of the year, which was fifty eighth. Wow. Yeah, I know. So you know, it didn't. Uh, you know, and that dropped me out of the. I think the bad finish there dropped me out of the top five uh, in the rankings. So I'm down to ninth now, which is, you know, I'm I'm still happy. I was still top stormcast. You know, well, I was obviously it's all dropped off now, but you know, I was top stormcast, and it's certainly like a master spot, which is, you know, it's kind of nice just to be up there. Um, but yeah, that was my blood and glory. Cool. So. Um... That was all our games, so we finished up the event. Um, just go for a quick rundown of the winners uh, before we get into painting and stuff. So, uh, first place was Andrew Hughes with uh, Fire Slayers, the guy I played in round two. Uh, second place was Gary Percival with Crydron Overlords. Uh, well done, Gary. Uh, so it's great to see you actually getting some podiums, sticking with the with the KOs. Uh, third place was Tony Moore with uh, Zinch, um, tied on tournament points, actually. Um, I think tiebreak was VPs and Gary Percival had 9,480 and Tony Moore had 7,880. Um, fourth place, special shout out to Liam Cook, um, who um, I think he missed out on, is it to do with sports votes or is it to do with, with painting? I can't remember how it was decided. but If if he'd have had his conversion in the army, yeah, he'd have got painting. another tournament point and come third, I believe. Yeah, and he said to Mark, he said, I, I know Carl's converted one. I don't know where it is. 
it's a borrowed army. But yeah. I think that's it's a solid a... result for Liam, though. Um, yeah, place definitely. Again. He's turned into the new Terry Pike, but I think... Um, yeah, no, no one wants to be that. No one wants to be Terry Pike. Uh, no, so, um, well done, Liam. Obviously, borrowing the Fire Slayers and doing really well. Um, Sean Lang was Inch. Um, then Byron. Uh, Nicky with his bone split is always solid. Um, then we had Morton with Corn. Uh, Stephen with Soul Blight. You took best death, unfortunately. Uh, for me, that was. Uh, Darren Watson in 10th with the... Um, how did you call his list? The... The, the Crocnado. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, Chris Myhill with Stormcast in 11th. Craig Namvar with Chaos in 12th. Andy Byron in 13th with Stormcast. Adrian McWalter with Fireslayers 14th. I was in 15th. Tom Morsley with Fireslayers again in 16th. Uh, Pete Scully with Zinch in 17th. Terry Kelsey in 18th, Sam Davis with Blades of Corn in 19th, and Mikey Galvin with Flesh Eaters in 20th. So, um, we're going to go down any further than that, but quite a nice mix. Uh, a lot of Fire Slayers in the top. Um, interestingly enough, when you look at all the Fire Slayers across the whole tournament, the majority of them are in the top 20, so that's uh, obviously they're, they're fairly strong now. Um, I just yeah. Make balls up. yeah. Uh, yeah. Obviously, uh, maybe maybe needs a bit of attention. Lotzinch is still dominating. Stormcast still dominating. So um, definitely some of the stronger lists out there. Um, uh, well, painting. Do you want to just run down the winners of that, Terry? Um, I don't know actually who won painting to begin with because Mark went, and the winner goes to uh, Mister Pike, but really quietly, and everyone was just stood like looking around. Yeah, at you. And then and then Mark was like. <laughs> Um, yeah, Terry, chalk him up. I was like, "Oh, I won." <laughs> oh, cool. Okay, <laughs> thanks. So, was that um, players' votes or was that judges? That was players' votes. Um, so, thanks to uh, thanks to all of who voted on that one. It was uh, got my got my display board finished for the event and some objective markers. Managed to pick up full painting score and um, yeah, it's a good number of votes. So that was uh, that was nice getting the uh, getting a cheeky little trophy for that. Yeah, I and then you pop the head off my Forminator and repainted the head, put it on. Yep, yeah, got a conversion point. You know, got yeah. got you up into fifty uh, eighth or something, didn't it? It was worth doing. I didn't bother. I, it was a tragic event for me. Like I broke the side rate, the hammer fell down the drain, the Forminator spear broke off as well. I was just like, oh, fucking. That was that was funny. I was stood next to you, and the hammer come off, and there's like cracks in the floor where the, where it was like like yeah. a train turning circle isn't it or something yeah, the yeah. roundhouse and there was like slats across the floor and the hammer just went straight down a slat and you were stood next to johnson you were like oh yeah the hammer fell off and went down the hole and he just looked at you it was like uh, 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 uh. <laughs> it's like it's the worst uh, thing ever like i i remember when i was at maelstrom which was the it was like an old mill that's been converted for people who don't know um and the top floor had this wooden it was wooden, it was a listed building, and there was all these like gaps in between the boards and stuff, and it was all pretty dirty. And I had a war shrine that I converted with flagellants pushing a, a corpse cart with, with skulls all over it, with a guy on the back with a whip. And I literally had my army on top of my case, and I, I was trying to move, and then I stopped, and the, the war shrine just kept sliding off the case face planted the floor and it just shattered into bits and I lost loads of the bits in the cracks and it was just completely soul destroying um, it's one of the and I, I don't think I fixed it for about 12 months, I left it in bits in my cabinet 
Um, and it is one of the most heart-wrenching things when you've got a model you really like and you drop a bit and you lose it and you're like, oh, that's just ruined it, that. It's the it getting it lost, isn't it? I had it with my um, my fancy guy. He's still my best painted guy ever. Yeah. Um, salute guys. Dropped him, snapped off his bird and then lost the bird when they were judging him for painting. Um, and I've never got over it and I don't know how to fix it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty soul-destroying. Um do you know what I've done? I've just put it in a box and forgot about it. Yeah, that's what that's what we do. You just put it away yeah. and don't think about it. And then you, you come to use it again and you go, oh shit, I've actually got a hammer on my Star Drake. So if you go into the Masters, you'll be like, oh, back on, mate. I've watched you and you're on into tax. <laughs> he doesn't need to attack anyway, that no, guy. He doesn't. Well, he does, actually. He's pretty solid. Um, oh, it'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, who got sports, can you remember? Was it AD? No. No, remember. it was Dan Mitchell. Was it? Was it? Can't yeah. Remember. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cool. Oh, well then, Dan. Well then. Yeah, it was Dan. Oh, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, was, sure yeah. it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Not a squaddy. Not a squaddy. <laughs> um, right. Okay. Cool. So that was Blood and Glory. Um, I hopefully um, you know, there's some insights on that. So, what did you guys think of the event overall? Just quick, quick thoughts. I thought the event was lovely. I thought it was really interesting and, and cool. Um, I think it lacked... The only thing I, 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 you know, as a negative from it is that the last couple of Blood and Glories I've been to have been really cool because of sort of like all the little side events and stuff. Um, and I, I don't know how it would... You kind of lose that intimacy because the venue's so big, but... You lose the intimacy and, like, like the cosiness, don't you? I think but, that, like, I just sat down, that, everywhere's got carpets... The rooms are a bit quieter. Um, it certainly looked spectacular. Yeah. But, yeah. Like, like Nay saying the event, and obviously, like, Ben signed up for it, and it's, like, it is a really cool thing. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it would be... I'd like to see next year, sort of, like, you know, the, the mini the mini events coming back, maybe. Um, you know, but I understand, like, you know, for the venue to pay for itself, he needs to have, you know, lots of different functions there and stuff, because, you know, obviously, it's a big venue. It's going to be quite expensive. I think I think for me, like it just lost the. I didn't feel special, um, and it didn't oh, feel not a little snowflake. Well, you know what I mean. Like it me, wasn't Russ. like before. Blood and Glories have been. It feels very much more like um, everyone who's there is all on doing the same thing, doing the same events with, the, and it's it kind of feels like I say intimate is probably a good word to use, but um, I think it lost a little bit of that. Um, yeah, and that's what made Blood and Glory different and unique. Um, it's still a great event. I mean, obviously Ben's trying to build something, um, and it's going to be different because it's going to be bigger. It's going to be a bit more like a convention, and that's great because it's sort of growing uh, the war gaming community, not just Age of Mar, but other games as well. You know, Shade Spy is a big thing that I'll, I'll keep an eye on. Um, I think, I think so. It's, I mean, what's quite nice is those nostalgic Blood and Glories are kind of. You know, we can kind of put those, put those back, and and sort of feel it's different. Yeah, now. still going to well, be an event that you're going to want to go to. So if, yeah, if you uh, if you get a chance next year, tickets are on sale now. I believe you can go and get your tickets now. Yeah, they are. So um, I, I'd say for my feedback for it, it like you said, it it was a good tournament, but it was not a blood and glory tournament. It wasn't. It was just a good tournament, but it wasn't blood and glory. It was different. It was. Like I, I really liked the old Blood and Glory venue, and I really liked how it was all done. This is just another massive tournament. It was like, yeah, like you're right. It did lose the 
the small well not the small it wasn't even it was still, small it's you know, still 100 people no. but it's just it just didn't, it lost that feeling yeah it didn't feel quite like that all come all and what I liked about it as well at the old venue everyone kind of stayed in the venue um, whereas yeah. with this new one there was a lot of people going off to different places and restaurants and things because it just wasn't really the option to stay at the venue because um, the cost was pretty high and there wasn't any food in the evenings um, so but I, I'm sure that that next year there'll be some some extra stuff and and it's still going to be it's still a good event to go to so I'd oh yeah it's a great event it. It's still a plastic it's, event, isn't it? it's still like the different in like in your calendar. I think um, you know. I think next year will be gone to bigger and better things. You know? Just, just I mean, five that's... games doesn't need to be six. Yeah, one hundred percent agree. Especially when every other system had five games and they all got to finish, and we were all in there on our own, still playing. Going, I'm jealous of the people that've gone home already. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, it's yeah. like it's, it's a grand. You know, it's a really good. Really good event. It's still a must attend, I think. And you know, we'll be back next year, won't we? Yeah, yeah, always. Right. Okay. So um, that's going to pretty much wrap it up for this show, um, where we kind of gloss for our games quite quickly. There, um, I think the next thing on our list is probably the Masters, or and potentially Heat One. I think we're all going to Heat One. All yeah. Heat One. Yeah, yeah, it's Heat One. And we're obviously getting ready it. for Adapticon. I did War Chiefs and lost a game against Mark that I think makes quite interesting talking about as well, potentially. So I might write some stuff out about that. Yeah, we can probably cover the when we do our sort of we might do a show just over the Christmas period talking about hobby and stuff, and maybe just cover a little bit about uh, the War Chiefs event we went we kind of went to in a way. Um, we went there but didn't really play <laughs> well most of us didn't um so we can cover that as well as like another little show um yeah over the Christmas we've, period. we've got another um we've got another game to cover actually in another in another show as well you give a shout out to uh lewis sloan I'm just about to do that yeah all right cool <laughs> so uh i'll just say before we go um so um at the gt final episode i i couldn't remember one of my games um, and it turns out that Lewis is a listener and was upset that he was like, finally I get a mention, and uh, I didn't mention him. Um, I do remember <laughs> the game now. Um, it was he had an Eshin army with four vermin lords, um, and it was actually a really good game. Um, but yeah, it was a great game, Lewis. Thanks very much. Um, I did meet you, so that's why I don't remember you. Um, try harder. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, Lewis, um, yeah, so. Uh, props to you for taking Eshin and doing really well with it. Um, hopefully, I'll see you at another heat. Um, and I'll try and remember your name this time. So sorry about that. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna write all my but my games down now in my Age of Sigmar War Journal that I now have because it's really nice. And uh, yeah, got um, one of them too, ready for next year. Fresh book. Yep, yeah, fresh book, fresh army. Ooh, can't say. And uh, for the fresh year, so we'll. Um, We'll we'll hit off 2018 with, um, with tacos, tacos and burritos <laughs> and titties. Um, uh, so, <laughs> um, what we will do as well is um, we will do a year in review, I think, uh, and sort of a Christmassy show and a bit of a, a bit more relaxed, a bit more kind of drinking and messing around, and we'll probably try and get one of those recorded over the Christmas break. So. Uh, looking forward to that but uh, yeah so that'll do um thanks for listening 
uh, if you've got any comments, feedback, whatever, you can contact us. You know where we are by now. Um, and we'll catch you all soon. Watch Gowers because he's super, super shit. Spoilers. To make sure you don't miss out on any more Hammer to Your Face, subscribe to us on iTunes, add our RSS feed to your reader, and follow us on Twitter at facehammer underscore. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to give us some feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.